For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Thursday morning, September 14th. Good morning, this is Mick Mulcahy and for Neil Prendival. And I hope you enjoyed yesterday's little soiree back through time uh, when we played the best of... And uh, maybe you get some idea as to, of course, these type of interviews don't happen every day, uh, but sometimes you do strike gold, some, uh, sometimes it enrages, sometimes it enriches, uh, but it's always topical and very listener-driven. We were delighted yesterday to bring you the very best of uh, the Neil Prendeville Show and to display why this uh, show wins so many awards. If you want to get in touch with us, it's 0818 by phone or by text, it's 086 8104 106. Garda Disconnect is the big headline on the front of the Echo. A vote of no confidence in the Commissioner, as expected. A senior Cork uh, representative of rank and file Gardaí said yesterday's overwhelming vote of no confidence in Garda Commissioner Drew Harris shows the disconnect between the Commissioner and frontline officers. Almost 99% of Gardaí who voted in the ballot organised by the Garda Representative Association, the GRA, which represents rank-and-file members, expressed no confidence in the minister. They were expecting about 80%, uh, but according to the Echo, 99, almost 99%. The GRA issued 10,803 ballots, and of the 9,129 valid votes, 9,013 voted uh, no confidence in the commissioner. Uh, of course, uh, the uh, uh, reply from the commissioner was, I'm um, bitterly disappointed, or very disappointed, but I won't be stepping down. Vote of no confidence, a real kick in the teeth, uh, is the examiner front page as well. Garda Commissioner refuses to resign, despite ballot by rank-and-file Gardee. Garda Commissioner Drew Harris has described an unprecedented vote of no confidence in his leadership by frontline Gardee as a real kick in the teeth. Mr. Harris has steadfastly said he will not be resigning after almost 99% of Gardaí who voted in a ballot organised by the GRA expressed no confidence in him. The GRA issued, uh, we've gone through all that anyway, those numbers, but responding to the vote of rank and file members, Mr. Harris said, I'm hugely disappointed. It does feel like a real kick in the teeth. Also on the examiner front page, Rabbit storms out of HSE meeting on schools. That's Anne Rabbit who left the meeting with uh, the HSC in less than an hour. Elaine Lachlan the Examiner political editor reporting that the uh, Disabilities Minister has stormed out of a meeting with senior HSC officials after relations broke down over a lack of delivery on therapists to schools. It comes as parents of children attending a special school in Carrigaline vented frustration that promised therapists have yet to start at the school. Carrigaline is one of four schools, along with one in Rochestown, that were due to be allocated assistant therapists uh, this week. Minister Anne Rabbit believes none of the 14 specialists have been appointed. A further 50 assistant therapists are due to be rolled out across other schools before Christmas. Miss Rabbit yesterday met with senior HSE officials to discuss the lack of progress in appointing assistant speech and language therapists, occupational therapists, psychologists and other specialists. Less than an hour into the meeting, which had been scheduled to run for more than two hours, Miss Rabbit walked out in anger over what she viewed as a failure uh, to present any clear rationale for the delays. Top heavy HSE. Uh, we've been saying it for years on this programme. Latest Duncatla interchange uh, upgrade is now open to the public. I suppose care and caution is to be advised when there are any 
road changes because you do get used to them fairly quickly if you if you use that section of road uh, very often. Uh, but it's great the way they're juxtaposing. They'll they'll close for one day and then they'll open a brand new lane, and then the one you were used to is closed, and that's made into something that's joining something else. Uh, I don't know how they put the whole jigsaw together at the planning stage, but it really is starting to come together. Anyway, the latest upgrade to the Dunkettle Interchange was opened yesterday morning after Transport Infrastructure Ireland uh, completed work uh, on the link on Tuesday evening. The new road on the interchange connects the Jack Lynch Tunnel with the M8 to Dublin, uh, which should reduce journey times and congestion around Dunkettle. The new link will branch off the exit of the tunnel with the option to turn right to head through the interchange before merging with traffic traffic approaching from the left-hand side. I guess you've got to experience it uh, to know what it's all about, uh, to actually physically go through it. But the new section follows the opening of six new link roads in early July after a €215 million Euro overhaul of the Dunkettle interchange. Works have been ongoing on the interchange for more than 18 months. Uh, I wonder how much more they're spending. Uh, you know, inflation allowed for uh, by doing this now rather than when they uh, put a tunnel and a set of traffic lights outside it. Uh, but anyway, we won't knock progress. It's a fantastic achievement so far and is going to be probably one of the best in Europe when it's finished. Uh, something very similar at the Red Cow Roundabout in Dublin, of course. Front of the mirror, 5,000 known to have died, 10,000 people missing, 40,000 are displaced. I believe that up to 20,000 in the end. Uh, and we thought that the Moroccan disaster uh, was very, very high at 2,000. This already at five and could go to 20,000, we believe, uh, with entire families washed away, bodies being washed out to sea. Uh, the Libyan flood debt toll is mounting. More than 5,000 people known to have been killed by the 23-foot wall of water which uh, swept through the Libyan city of Derna. The toll is likely to rise further as more than 10,000 people are still believed to be missing from the coastal city. As many as 40,000 have lost their homes after the wave hit on Sunday, wrecking buildings and washing countless bodies into the Mediterranean. It was sparked by Storm Daniel, which lashed the area with unprecedented rainfall that caused the collapse of two nearby dams and unleashed the torrent. Aid workers, uh, Imad Al-Fala from Benghazi, uh, and uh, his colleagues said that wherever you go, you find dead men, women and children. Red Cross senior manager Jan Fridez said the uh, city was submerged by a wave 23 feet high that destroyed everything in its path. And if you're doing anything for the beleaguered people of Libya, as we did with uh, uh, the disaster in Morocco, uh, we'd be more than happy to give you a platform here. €120,000, no fund me. Uh, son screwed me over, Dublin attack. Battered tourist Stephen Termini has accused his son Mike of stealing over 120000 raised following his horror attack. The American says he plans to make a fraud complaint to go fund me. But Mike said, based on technicality, it was never his. That's a kind of a shocking story. The, the guy was beaten up. Uh, now saying his son screwed him over uh, regarding the Dublin attack. It makes the star front page today. Assault victim Stephen Termini claims his son won't give him any of the funds that were raised by the public, ostensibly on his behalf. Uh, US tourist Stephen, who has recovered from a brutal assault near Dublin's Talbot Street in July, says he hasn't seen a cent of the €130,000, €120,000 
raised by his son Mike Rizzuto on the website GoFundMe and now claims it's been stolen from him. Uh, but speaking to the star, Mr Rizzuto said the donations to the Irish public were technically never his father's to claim and insisted the funds were intended to be used for his and his own brother's travel here, their accommodation and to potentially pay their dad's medical bills. Well, travel and stay in a nice place first before you look after your dad's health, right? Uh, I'm withholding uh, it until I figure out uh, an accountant tax uh, taxes and stuff. Mr. Rizzuto, who admits he's not currently on speaking terms with his dad, said, based on technicality, it was never his, like it never hit his account. It was for the intended travel, so we could take care of him. And if there were medical bills presented to me, that I would t- take care of it as much as I could. Right, that one takes uh, a little more delving into. I'm sure that one will uh, have legs. Licence to swill. Clever headline on the front of the mirror today. RT boss Kevin Backhurst yesterday insisted it was not about to go bust as a TD said he'd prefer to spend his licence fee at the pub. He told an Oireachtas committee the station has ordered a hiring freeze and revealed Ryan Tuberty has sent a legal letter over his contract termination. But uh, Mr Barkhurst admitted its future is not guaranteed without funding. No, Mr Tuberty to blame yesterday. So uh, they're taking uh, the headlights like rabbits in the headlights full on. Fear and fury in Montrose also uh, prints the uh, Daily Mail front page today uh, alongside a picture of a very happy Harry and Meghan uh, the Harry and Meghan show wows the crowds at Invictus. Anyway, RTE staff are reeling as Backhurst uh, admits the Dublin 4 base may be sold as part of a sav- uh, Savage Cuts programme. Angry workers are to confront bosses at crisis meetings as the worst fears come to pass. Some of the most um, valuable, uh, strategically placed and therefore expensive real estate in Europe is where RTE sits, uh, while uh, other outlets uh, like Virgin Media do it essentially from uh, a commercial building. In, uh, they're in Ballymount, aren't they? Um, but yeah, there we go. It's going to have to be looked at, I'd say. Staff at RTE have been left reeling and say their worst fears have come to pass as the Director General signalled a raft of cost-cutting measures. These include moving staff out of Dublin, potentially selling its Montrose base, and cutting back on coverage of sports and live events. The latest appearance of RTE executives before the Oireachtas Media Committee yesterday was described as sobering by staff, with one telling the Irish Daily Mail that they fear the new freeze on recruitment and halt halt to discretionary spending is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Jack Horgan-Jones reports in the Irish Times uh, the five uh, mar- the marathon session and the five things we learned from the latest Oireachtas hearing. I'll let you check it out in the Irish Times. But the five things are, one, cost-cutting. Two, Tuberty's legal challenge. Three, the future of Montrose. Four, more grovelling. And five, board culture. Uh, makes for a very interesting reading in this morning's Irish Times. And The Independent uh, says that without Ryan Tuberty to blame, RTE's finger-pointing over licence backfires. Uh, Fionnán Sheehan uh, gives his analysis in the Independent today. I'd like to speak to Finan on this, actually. This is some of the uh, the best-written uh, coverage of the topic in the newspapers today. Saddam Hussein approval ratings flip-flopping on financial figures, yet still no answers. And here writes Finan Sheehan. This is very good. Patrick Keelty has his work cut out for himself. He could interview Elon Musk, Joe Biden and Taylor Swift. 
on the new Late Late Show tomorrow night and it still won't be as captivating as the questions put to the RTE board yesterday. It wasn't so much an interview they were put through, more an interrogation. Without Ryan Tuberty to blame anymore, the board found themselves coming under heavy shelling. Finnegale TD Brendan Griffin uh, stuffed in more rapid-fire questions than the late Larry Gogan on the uh, 60-second quiz. The just-a-minute quiz, wasn't it? Uh, Griffin is departing from politics next year, uh, but he launched a career as a special prosecutor. Maybe to get a job on RT primetime or something. Uh, after several previous officials got thrown under the bus by RTE, um, their appearances uh, as in the dungeons of Leinster House, uh, Griffin picked them off one by one. Hopefully, I'm going to put that aside and hopefully speak to Finan Sheehan before midday today. Speeding drivers are facing stiffer penalties in at-risk zones. Motorists could face, uh, face additional penalties for speeding through at-risk zones, such as speeding through roadworks speeding near schools and your report uh, to the government has outlined the report sets out the proposed speed limits uh, which were published yesterday and among the proposals the report said higher penalties should apply for at-risk zones such as roadworks schools and shared use zones it's 24 minutes past nine i've lots more from the morning papers maybe or maybe not we'll get to that uh, between now and 12 midday but a busy program ahead you're listening to Cork's number one talk show. I just think he's a brilliant interviewer. The Neil Prenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Okay, one I did forget to do is this one. Uh, city car ban is confirmed. Uh, this could be the uh, thin slice of the wedge as well when it comes to Cork. Uh, a ban on cars in Dublin city centre is set to be implemented from next year. The National Transport Authority has confirmed following London in this regard and then you'll be charged 10 or 12 quid uh, if you want to drive in that kind of thing and a wide-ranging plan to remove cars from the city's streets roads in the capital will be reallocated to public transport services cyclists and pedestrians the radical proposals will see cars banned from sections of the north and south keys close to o'connell bridge parliament street will be made uh, traffic free and new civic plans are to be, uh, be created at the Custom House and at Lincoln Place near the back entrance to Trinity College. It's a Dublin story, uh, but I think in the fullness of time, especially if it makes money, it'll come our way as well. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And a very good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. Crystal Queer is a drag artist and joins me online too. Good morning, Crystal. Hi, Mick. How are you doing? I'm good. Now, why am I uncomfortable using your name? Uh, why, why doesn't it, fe- it doesn't feel right using the full name? Is that just me? Um, I, I have a poster in front of me as well, perhaps, uh, and I'm reading out what's on the poster here. A peaceful demonstration by Cork Queer Community. Thursday, 14th of September, uh, that's today, from 9 to 10 p.m. is going to happen outside the courthouse steps, which is opposite the bar formerly known as, uh, as as chambers. Is it okay for me to use that word in advertising and because you've chosen it as a name but not as a description for, for anyone? Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. Mick. Um, actually, the original use of the word queer was never intended to be hateful or malicious. Um, it was just taken by other people and used maliciously. So we're just taking the word back and using the the original meaning. Queer is just an umbrella and, on term for anyone who may be gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans or anything as such. And is that, I know it's a complete, maybe wrong analogy, but is is that the way that people of colour have taken the N-word and they can use it themselves but nobody else can? 
Um, do you know what? I, I'm not going to speak on their behalf because I'm not black myself. Um, but, hey, I don't know. But thanks for asking the questions. And okay. <laughs> no problem. Um, <laughs> so, 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 some are seeing this story, Crystal, as a storm in a teacup. Some, some are seeing it as a righteous crusade. And some of the more cynical are seeing it as a very successful advertising ploy for a bar. So let's, let's get to the kernel of the story here. Uh, the LGBTQ plus paraphernalia was removed from Chambers last Thursday ahead of Freshers Week. Can we start with a bit of history of uh, what Chambers was and what it did mean uh, to you and uh, the rest of your community? Of course, of course. So Chambers has been a gay bar for over 17 years. It is a successful business run solely due to the fact of the loyalty of their gay customers and their entire LGBTQ plus community. It's the one safe space that we have in the city where we can go and be absolutely yourselves, you know. Um, Isn't isn't that a savage indictment on the city, though, what you just said? No, no, not at all, Neil, because I was walking down on Plunkett Street the other night and a man came up to me, started screaming slurs in my face, calling me a child molester, a faggot, a paedophile, pursued me for 10 minutes and I'm used to it. And I'm 23. I'm someone from a younger generation. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's a savage indictment on the city when you've got one safe space. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, I think it's um, insane, especially um, court businesses are, are run so well. It's, um, if someone really wants to step up to the plate and do this, it is sustainable. It has been sustainable for 17 years. The reason this sustainability is being damaged is because of the neglect from Reardon's group in the past few years in Chambers. Um, you know, if you go onto Chambers' website, it says, quote-unquote, Chambers is the heart of court drag in the city. Well, if you're the heart of court drag and you're claiming to be so, how can you cut the drag shows to bring in a group of straight students who you know over the years, you've had these student nights for years, you know what kind of crowd they are. I've been to sinners myself. This crowd is a homophobic crowd. It's full of lads from MTU and UCC who don't respect us, make fun of us, you know, call us faggots, make fun of us for the way we dress, the way we dance, the way we act, you know, I know business is business, but the, at the end of the day, ethics and morals need to be brought into the question. Um, this is a community of people who, since the marriage referendum, when we thought we'd won it all, we are exponentially, we're more prone to, um, literally statistics say, we're more prone to violence since the marriage referendum. Yes, business is business, but this is the one queer place in the entire city. You have um, morals to uphold, and you need to be taking care of this community. You know, Reardon's group, they all four of the venues, they're not reliant on this one. Um, each venue has their own theme, you know, like Cabaret, Hidden Attic, Secret Garden. Um, the theme of Chambers is gay. It's branded like that. If you go onto their website, that is what they are advertising. So why are they covering it up completely, changing the venue, removing the queer staff? Because my show was caught without any notice or contact from management. Absolutely everything in there, posters of us, images of us, just removed, putting us back in the closet for a sake um, of a few books off some students. No, I'm not going to take it, you know. Um, like and was, was the initial intention for, for this to be just a, t- a temporary thing for Freshers Week and hope you guys wouldn't mind? Um, no, because that's what they were saying. But last year, the same thing happened. There was the show Tipsy Thursday. They said it was going to be a temporary decision to just bring the students back and remove the show. And they cut the show altogether and they can't keep doing that. That's people's money. You know, my income has been splashed for the next few weeks. I've got rent to pay. I've got bills to pay. And I wasn't even as so much contacted by the management. What does that say about code of conduct and, you know, professionalism? I was just let go like that, you know. I've been representing Chambers for years. I have hundreds of thousands of followers online. 
well, I wouldn't go that far, but I have a lot of followers online. Going around the city, I run into people everywhere. My, my job doesn't end when I come off the stage. I'm constantly interacting with people in there. I'm representing chambers. I'm one of the most popular drag queens in Cork. When I go outside the city, I was in London a few months ago, I am still representing chambers. I've been a great employee, you know. Um, I have, I've never made a fuss. I've always gotten on well with them. I always try my best. I build a great connection with the audience and I bring people in. I have made them a lot of money with my shows and my presence. Yeah, and Krista, we have to recognize and champion the right of any business owner to run their business as they see fit. So this is not, this is not a legal thing, it's just a marketing thing. I, I have a, a letter or a text from a, a former manager in Chambers and I've also got a statement. Uh, from Chambers. So in the interest of fairness and, and trying to balance everything... Uh, of course, of I, course. I, I'll read you those two, right? Um, as a former manager in Chambers, I'd like to give a little more context on the history of student nights in Chambers and exactly why the Cork LGBTQIA plus community are so upset by the current actions of Chambers management. Student nights in Chambers are nothing new. They've been running there for many years under the name Sinners. Sinners was started many years ago by then chamber, the, the then Chambers manager as a gay student night on Wednesdays. Over the years it grew from word of mouth and LGBT plus students started to bring their straight friends along too, who are mostly women. With so many straight women going in there, it obviously attracted more and more straight men. Uh, and it basically evolved on its own as a student night for all. During a focus group run by Reardon's, we discovered that Chambers was the only student night associated uh, by students with Wednesday nights. Reardon's realised there was no point in putting on a student night in any of their other venues on Wednesday, as Chambers was the desired venue for that night. Throughout this time, Sinners was never run as a separate brand or entity from Chambers. Sinners did not have its own social media platforms, and every Sinners poster or advert had the Chambers logo on it. All the students going there knew it was an LGBT plus venue. What's happening now uh, in Chambers is that management are erasing any evidence that the venue is LGBT, uh, LGBT plus in order to try appeal to a wider audience. But what audience would be deterred by a rainbow flag, posters of drag queens, or a mural inside that says Chambers loves every heartbeat? Homophobes is the answer. The national LGBTQIA plus community has no problem with student nights and chambers that are catered to all. It's been that way for years. What we do have a problem with is the only venue in the city claiming to be an LGBT plus uh, bar erasing any sign of gayness in order to appeal to people who would wish us harm. Their decision makes no sense as in the past students always knew it was an LGBT plus venue and still flocked there. So why the change? Why the erasure? It is regrettable that Chambers Management will not listen to or even engage with the community on this matter. So the start of that would seem to be against you and the end of it would seem to be in your favour. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, listen, Sarah, yeah, they probably hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So if this is the only safe spot, if you guys are doing a, a peaceful demo tonight, um, is, is the answer vote with your feet, find another safe spot? Or is there a lesson here you'd like the management to learn and maybe capitulate and 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 take a step back from the lack of gayness, if you like, that 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 the bar now portrays. Um, well, I'm not really co too concerned with things from their point of view. I'm just glad that we're all coming together as a community. We're going to stand here and say that we haven't been treated the best in the few years and recently, and we're going to stand together, come together, 
and uh, just do what we do best and support each other and have a good time. You know, there's a lot of us who will be fine. We will find somewhere else. Um, this has been brewing for years and years, um, and I'm just glad that we're finally making a stand against it. Okay. And for anyone who doesn't know, the protest is at 9 o'clock at the, the courthouse steps. Courthouse steps. Passed there the other morning. Yeah. Uh, it was full of chip wrappers and uh, empty drink containers. People must congregate there and eat and litter, do they? Oh, well, L- later at night. Like. Anyway, so don't you worry, man. <laughs> oh, no, it's not that at all. Listen, it would be remiss of me, <laughs> Crystal, not, not, not to read the statement from Chambers at this stage. And, and here it is. As our loyal customers know, Chambers is an LGBTQIA plus friendly venue every weekend from Friday through Sunday. As has been the case since 2016, we've hosted student nights at Sinners for all students during the third level terms. So just in case anyone is worried, nothing has changed. And Chambers will be as it has been every weekend since the day we opened our doors 18 years ago. That would seem to me, Crystal, like they're going to put back all the paraphernalia and everything's going to be normal. Would you think the same? Well, they might, but I mean, they're only doing it to cover their own backs. And they've already made their decision and shown their true colours. So anything they do now from their perspective, I just kind of see it as them just trying to help themselves. So is it, a bu- is it a busted flush now, uh, your community and uh, your desire to support that premises anymore? Will you have to look for somewhere else or uh, you know, uh, yeah, can all I be forgiven? Because, like, how, um, how are we supposed to exi- exist successfully when we're underneath someone who doesn't want us? Like, we've known this for years that the management there, they don't want us. They don't want it to be a K-pop. They, they, I think they do want to get rid of us. So if we're all under that, well, why don't we leave and find somewhere else? You know, let's start something new. I think this is um, a great opportunity for another business in Cork. Like, come in and take us. Um, you know, like, why not? Well, why are we sticking around for someone who doesn't want us? You know, I think we should get up and move, we should move somewhere else and make actual change. And, and you say you were, you were gainfully employed doing shows in there. Will, will you pick up that business again quickly? Um, oh, Mick, I'm a superstar. I'll find work wherever I go. <laughs> don't you worry. Spoken like a true drag artist. Uh, actually, oh, exactly, I, exactly. <laughs> I, I only in the last year found out what the name drag artist meant, or sorry, not what it meant, but where it came from. Uh, and, and I said it the last time I was doing a holiday relief for Neil. It was actually William Shakespeare. I'm sure you know that, do you? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. When it was illegal for uh, women to act on stage in Shakespeare's time, um, he would have to dress men up as girls or ladies. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the footnotes, all, all on the right-hand side of, of, of his scripts was D-R-A-G, dressed as a girl. Uh, and I couldn't believe I never knew that. And I thought, Is it, you know, that's something yeah. I'm never, I'm never well, going to forget. I'm that the history that's actually there behind it. it you know, I think nowadays it's a lot more uh, funnier and simple and hysterical after, but there actually is quite a very serious history behind it and a very long history, too, if you, if you look into it. Yeah, listen, I, I know the situation is close to your hearts. I do hope it gets sorted one way or the other with, with, of course, with good thank cheer. You, and thank you so much for just giving us the platform to, to speak about it and come on here and share our opinion with everyone. Thank it's you a so pleasure. Much. Thanks, Crystal. Crystal Queer Have Drag Artist. Thank, thank you. So uh, just a quick uh, commercial break, and we'll speak to Mia Gold, who's also a drag artist. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106, Red FM. Back to our phone lines and on line three with my thanks for holding me. It's Mia Gold, drag artist. Morning to you. Hi, Neil. How are you? It's Mick, actually. But uh, you're, you're, you're saying Sinners Mick, is... That's <laughs> oh, no problem. Um, sinners is nothing new, you say? No. Uh, I mean, Sinners is nothing new. I mean, as uh, Giles was saying to you on the, on the, the message, I, don't, I couldn't say better. Uh, but, like, I've been there for years and... Um, 
it's been sinners and we never had a problem with it. Um, and uh, it, always, it, always, it grew to be like as, a, as straight and toxic as it, as it was. And, um, you know, it, as George was saying, like the girls were coming in with their gay friends and, uh, and then attracted more straight people. That was the problem of it. And then it was just very famous every Wednesday night to have all the students, all the student nights, yeah. And they're, so, they're essentially good-natured, good fun events for the most part. I mean, I, I never go, I never went to them, to be honest, like probably once or twice. But uh, it was really when I was starting here in Cork. And um, I mean, I wouldn't go because it's not my type, it's not my kind of night. Because it's just very uh, straight, and everybody's looking at you. You know the way you dress and everything. So it's like it's not very comfortable for um, from the a member from the community. You know to be there. Okay, educate the uninitiated here, Mia, because uh, I, I've never. Although you're piquing my interest, I wouldn't mind going along to to flavor one of those nights and savor what you know. Check the flavor and savor what's going on. But then again, I'm exactly. not. I, I'm not the aggressive type. But it is what's happening here that success brings different elements of the community in and what was originally a gay night then straight women used to come because uh, to my experience uh, straight women and, and and gay men have the biggest laugh in the world when they go out oh exactly they wanted to feel safe in a in a gay venue because you know all of the other bars will have like you know spiking and all that men grabbing and all that so they feel safe with around yeah. gay people in the gay bar but know? of course uh, a bunch of straight women with uh, you know with no male suitors if you like uh, is going to mm-hmm. it's going to attract uh, straight men um, of course. and straight men some of them anyway um, you know when when alcohol fueled and testosterone fueled can be a, a little on the abrasive side shall I be charitable <laughs> yes is, is, is that what kind of happened here I think it is, you know, like, I, I mean, who can, you can't blame the straight men to go in and uh, do it and come on and, you know, women attract men and obviously they just want to have a good night. But, uh, I mean, everybody can go in. It, it was at the end, everybody would go in uh, and support it. And then it just grew into popularity. Uh, it's just the way things were run, not being safe for other members of the community, you know, for being a, a well-known gay bar. Uh, and the only ones, you know, mm. I mean, the staff, not the staff, like the, the, the security and everybody should have their own game and protect this community, you know, instead of like letting it happen, you know. How, how big a place is Chambers? A big place. I yeah. mean, it was a much bigger place, to be honest with you, many years ago. Uh, but people have been not going there anymore because of a bad experience. I mean, I, mean, I worked there since 2017 was my first when drag shows started getting uh, popular. Um, and I started since then doing it. Uh, but like people haven't gone in. I know many customers along the years that haven't gone in because of bad experience. You can only have one bad experience in one, um, any business at all. Yeah, and, you won't, and it, you ruin, won't it ruins it for you forever. It ruins for you because I, I know so many customers that had bad experience with security or had a bad experience with a staff or management that wasn't resolved on the time and place. So this decision is so difficult for me and the other queens mm-hmm. because it, it's, it's, our, it's our life. I mean, that's the first time I performed there. It was in chambers, you know, and uh, it's, not, uh, it's not easy to take this decision. But, I mean, this is a problem building up for years and years. And we've been talking recently about it, but we need to know how we're going to uh, end up. Okay, Mia, but, you, you know, you, yourself and Crystal are coming from the performing perspective uh, you, you, you're both drag queens, as, as you say, drag artists. 
Yeah. Uh, what about for the normal, you know, normal, when I say normal, I mean non-performing on stage uh, gay community? Would it be a case, and I'm just asking a question here, would it be a case that because of certain incidents, not enough of the the, the, the regular spending element um, of, of the gay community were coming in and this big bar had to look to expand its draw, if you like, to bring in more of the straight community? Uh, or, 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 or is there room for a bar of that size to exclusively, now you can't legally exclusively cater for gays, but to be the only gay centre of Cork? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I think it would. You know, I always said this, she, like they had a gold mine in there. Like it's, it's a great place. You only have the, not legally, but the only gay bar in Cork. Everybody knows that. And I mean, if it was run properly, like having, you know, more time into, you know, social media, because it's such an important thing at this moment, social media mm. promoting stuff and doing new events and doing this, you know, it's just not enough just having just a drag show every week, you know. And um, I mean, it's, I see the business point of it, to be honest, I see it. But like, there was so many things that could have been done to promote and make it all, all like gay and uh, uh, LGBTQ plus oriented instead of uh, bring it back because you know it's we know the straight straight students are there and they would come but uh i mean i i see the business side and you know but uh i just i just think if it was promoted and done properly if there was a really interest on it on making it like just straight and for gay students coming in from any sides it would have uh, it would have worked. Yeah, okay. I can so, I can say yes, to, it would have worked, and all of those, but uh, it's done already. So, so the the progression was fabulous, gay bar, everybody comfortable, everyone feeling safe, all the drag mm-hmm. queens doing their thing. Uh, it's a win win for everybody. Uh, then lots of lovely straight women started coming in, attracting lovely straight men, and uh, it became a little bit of a toxic environment. Is, is that the impression I'm getting? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I just want to be fair to everybody, Mia. Uh, Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, we've got Stephanie uh, Fogarty on the line as well. Thanks, Mia. Thanks very much. much. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Stephanie Fogarty, uh, Miss Gay Ireland and Miss Gay Cork thinks that what Chambers is doing is ridiculous. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Tell us what you think. Well, Mick, to be honest, I'm listening to the Queens coming on and I just want to say I'm so proud of them for voicing their issues with it. Um, my thoughts of it is the place was straight washed, even if it was meant to be for a week. It's ridiculous. And there's a term Chambers, I haven't heard before. Straight washed, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the joys of being a minority community. Um, we, like for me, I have been going to Chambers since I was 18. Okay, I'm 32 now. And it has quite literally been my safe space and my home for so many years. And I have defended Chambers down to the ground. I have stood up for the staff, the management, every time I could. And it's just been getting worse and worse from the higher ups. This is no reflection on the staff behind the bar because they have no control. I want to stress that because they have no control. They're just doing their jobs. This comes from the higher up. And when you own the only LGBT venue in the south of the country, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to ensure the safety of your patrons. And we haven't had that. We haven't had security, like full-time security in there for years. I personally have to stand by the stage and kind of help the drag queens because people go in and grab onto them while they're performing. 
you know, okay. um, people come in with camera cameras out to take pictures of gay people kissing each other. It's like feeding time at the zoo. Straight men, not all straight men, I would like to point this out, not all, but the straight men who come in there and try to get a bit brazen do not take no for an answer. They try to push themselves onto young queer women and onto young bisexual women. Straight girls come in there too. Yes, they have a great time, but then if a lesbian approaches them, they get really freaked out and offended. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a catch-22 here. I mean, minority spaces are supposed to be kept intact. There is actually legislation about for that to keep a minority space a minority space. I've got a very short short statement from Chambers, which I read, but I just want to... Uh, yeah, just, I, I heard it. Yeah, but just, just give you the end of it again and give the listeners a chance to hear it again, because I don't know what this means. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It doesn't mean they're going to put back up all the paraphernalia and everything will go back to normal at the weekend. I don't know if the protests will make them have pause for thought and say, you know, something. I think we we measured this wrong, or I don't know if it's their intention to continue doing uh, what they want to do. So, but just from from the statement, just in case anyone is worried, nothing has changed, and Chambers will be as it has been every weekend since the day we opened our doors eighteen years ago. Does that give you any hope? No, because Chambers wasn't a gay bar just on the weekend. Chambers is is and what it was a full time LGBTQI plus space and venue. Years ago, under the correct management, there was so much community events in there. There was dance classes. There was people doing um, salsa classes, hip hop classes. There was a coffee shop open during the day when the other place closed down. You know, there was so much going on in there. There was fundraisers. I, I myself hosted many fundraisers in there for the likes of suicide awareness, for LGBT awareness. I have promoted that venue so many times as Miss Gay Cork and Miss Gay Ireland. Mm. And in the last number of years, I have actually just been worried because there is no safety there anymore. But, but it, it, it must then have been, and as you say, under different management, I don't know, maybe more it was under more aligned management, management yes. with, with, with your ideals. Uh, it must have been a buzzy, vibey, happening place and... It must have been very profitable, and as such, as part of the Reardon's empire, uh, it must have been doing pretty well. It always was doing well as far as I'm aware. Now, obviously, I don't look at the books because I don't work there. But the the big issue that kind of stands out is Chambers stopped sponsoring Cork Pride in the last number of years. And that you can tell that because Cork Pride is sponsored by PepsiCo and Chambers was decked out with Coca-Cola. You know? Oh, that's like the, the White House wars now. In, but like what I'm saying is the only full-time LGBT venue did not feel the need to actually sponsor Cork Pride, which is a like the committee is volunteer run. It's a community based pride. And the thing is, local local resource centres like Link and Gay Project, they would literally would have have to say oh, our venue, like the local gay venue would be Chambers, but they can't support a venue that doesn't want to support them. I understand that. You know? um, can I ask you for a moment, if you can, to put, yeah. on, put on your marketing hat and, and try yeah. to tell me what, what you think is going on here? What, what do you think? Well, the- the mar- for this week, there is an influx of students, OK? Students are coming for Freshers' Week. I've, I've worked in a student union. I know the numbers it can bring in. The marketing idea here is to make it appealing to, every, to everyone who isn't in a minority. Okay, but if marketing, my marketing had on, if it was done correctly, you could literally draw in LGBT students from all over. The fact that MTU is now tied in, you know, that like Tralee is part of MTU. There is so much more students that you can actually kind of dip into. There are so many more LGBT students and there's so many more people from the ages of 18 and up who have come to terms with their sexuality much younger than what I would have. 
So they need a safe space. They deserve a safe space to go. And that statement from Chambers, it will be as it always was on a weekend, an LGBT friendly space. It was not supposed to be an LGBT yeah. friendly space. It was supposed to be a full time LGBTQI plus venue. Can, and, can, I, can I ask you then, um, yeah. I, and I'm not trying to preempt anything. Is there an opportunity, a business opportunity here for a venue owner to rededicate their premises as uh, an LGBTQIA plus uh, safe space. I would imagine. I would imagine anyone other than the Ravens branch right now. Yes, because I will not be supporting them any longer. So feelings run deep even, here. You, yes, because it, it was a home and a safe space. I met so many friends in there, and when my fr- like we have lost so many people over the years. We have lost so many people to suicide, to HIV. We we have lost so many people and people during COVID. And that was a space where we were all safe. Mm. As as a straight guy with a family, um, I've, you know, you'd hear things. You'd hear that Cork is as tolerant uh, to the gay community as cities, for instance, like San Francisco. That now Cork does not, not appear to be the case. But Cork is not. Look at that. Look at those stupid protests outside the library over a book. You know, Cork is not as tolerant as they like to think. But sadly, the minority that isn't tolerant have the loudest voices and they're tearing it, the rest of everyone. So what I I would say tonight, our peaceful demonstration tonight, which has been organised amazingly. So I would like to say, so whoever's organised it, thank you. Do you you think it will remain peaceful or will you experience some resistance? I hope it will remain peaceful. I know full well everyone there on the pride side will stay peaceful because we do not want fights. We do not want drama. And that's speaking from my own experience as well, because I have often walked out of chambers and have had slurs screamed at me. I've been shoved. I've been hit. I've been, so many people have. But what I would ask is for all the allies that we have to stand with us tonight, for all the people who have young LGBT children or nieces or nephews, come stand there and show them that you support who they're going to be and that you support that they should have an inclusive and safe space. Okay, I have text. I just want to read one to you before we go for news. Just listening to the drag queens on the radio and I just want to support as a straight married woman with children. If I go out in Cork now, Chambers was my first choice as I also felt it was a safe place with the best entertainment in the city. I hope they get the support they deserve. We may check in with you tomorrow on that, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks a million for everything, uh, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. That's Stephanie Fogarty, Miss Gay Ireland and Miss Gay Cork. The home of the cash machine in court. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Now, one final call on the Chambers issue. It's not a topic we're going to leave. Uh, we need to move on to a different one. Uh, but we will be coming back to the Students' Union before midday uh, because I have a detailed Students' Union um, statement in front of me. Unfortunately, uh, we can't get a Students' Union representative uh, until around 11.30 or so. So we will come back to this. But in the meantime, welcome Candy Warhol. Hi, Mick. Good morning. How are you? Clever name. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'd say there are some clever ones out there, are there? Oh, there's some gas ones out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing worse than a boring drag name. It has to be funny. Exactly. I, I, I've got a buddy in uh, in Tenerife called Roxy Risque. Oh, my God. Yeah. Entertainer of the year for the last seven years in a row there. Uh, if, you ever oh, get a, if you ever get a chance to go and see the show. Anyway, you want to defend queer spaces. I'm a little more comfortable saying it than I was an hour ago. Uh, but one, once you're using it to, to describe something, 
uh, you, you kind of have the tacit permission. And if you call somebody that by name, I think it would be offensive. Uh, but if, if well, you... It's all, yeah, it's all, the, it's all in the intention. You yeah. know, I would say I'm, I'm a queer person. Um, I'm, you know, into queer music, into queer movies, and we have queer spaces. Whereas if somebody's using it as, yeah, with a bad intention, you know, there's a big difference there. Yeah, yeah, because, it, you know, it, in the English colloquialisms, it, you know, that's a queer smell or he... He's a queer sort yeah, of a yeah, guy. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a, a reclaimed word in, in recent years. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, very disappointed to see the only uh, gay bar in Cork. Is that true? It is. It is. Um, you know, I was just checking there yesterday. We have 955 registered bars across Cork County, and now we don't have one that's queer or LGBTQ um, uh, registered for us, which is it, it's a disgrace. We're one of the, the biggest cities in the country, and when you look at cities in the UK, in Dublin, there's spaces all over the city. And we used to have that, uh, but it's gone now, which is it's just baffling to see. Yeah, and, and, and this is, I, I think you'd probably contend, this is happening like as if it was a pop-up shop. Uh, na- exactly. na- names have been covered over and uh, posters yeah. and memorabilia taken down. Yeah, and you know what, that, it just says a lot, you know, I, as I said the other day, um, it's it's it appears to be our space when the management is happy to take the money off of us or make money from us. If this happened in a queer bar in London, for example, there would be outrage. It just wouldn't happen. Um, I understand that they have to make money, but this is just not how you go about it. And there is such an incredible community here in Cork that they could make money from. Um, but as Stephanie said earlier to you, um, you know, say queer bars that I work in in the UK, they have fundraisers, they have community events, and they're all about the community. Weirdens are not about our community. From the day that they opened, it was just about making money off of us. Okay. Uh, trying to be the devil's advocate here. Maybe they want the new influx of incoming straight students uh, in to enjoy kind of more straight nights while feeling safe in their heterosexuality. Uh, and God forbid they ever know they were in a queer space. Yes, yes, I did say that. And you know what? Um, what about all of the incredible queer LGBTQ plus students coming into court for the first time? And they're so excited because they might be from a rural town somewhere in Ireland where they've never got to experience um, that space. And now that's taken away from and, them. And they've heard about this safe space and, and, yeah. uh, and, it, and its name and they're heading there. And it's, well, would you say sanitized is the right word? It's been cleaned up? Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Stephanie's uh, afraid of straight washing. That's exactly what's after happening. You know, it, they could run uh, student nights there. Um, there's more than a, a big enough market. And also, Reardon's have so many other spaces where they could run these straight nights, right? Um, so the fact that they've covered up the logo, they've taken down prize likes, they've taken down pictures of the queens, it's, it's beyond disrespectful. Like, it's just not how you go about these nights. They also give n- none of the queens or the staff a heads up, you know, that this was happening. There's going to be a conversation before it went public. But, you know, I worked in chambers for over a year. I quit um, earlier this year because of many reasons with the management and how they treated us. Um, and it's been a long time coming. Okay, well, look, we, as I mentioned, we have to champion their right to run their business as they see fit. Of course. But, but if, yeah. if, if it was uh, not a, a straight management team, and I'm not saying for a moment it is, it, it may be reflective of all elements of society. If, if, if it was one of your own, as we say, if, if, it was, if, it was, if it was a drag queen with bar management experience, would this be different? I think it really would be. If you looked at, you know, Panty Bliss in Dublin, she runs two bars very successfully and all of the uh, management 
um, all of the bar staff, all the performers, all the security are members of the community and that's really how it should be. But the fact of the matter is management of Chambers um, and Reardon's are straight and you know like like Mia and myself have said this is a conversation that's been going on for years because we know from behind the scenes um, the comments that they make about us and we know exactly what they think of us and this is the first time the public is really seeing it. Yeah. Are, are you a difficult lot to get on with from a, a bar owner's bar management point of view? Oh very difficult. Glitter everywhere, costumes everywhere. <laughs> um, the thing is we're so hard working and when and um we we we've already said chambers never had events managers so when you look at us you know i ran a brunch there every every sunday for over a year mia gold has been there for years along with letitia and liam and crystal they've been running these events but you know it's up to us to design our own posters hire our performers market our um our shows then get up and perform it takes hours to get ready and we were always dismissed as um, as people who just you know slapped a bit of makeup on and um, and just got drunk, that's 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 not what we do. And when you do work in actual queer run spaces around Ireland or the UK, you see the difference. You see the difference of treatment and respect. Okay, so you, you you're all wondering um, possibly where this is going to go, uh, where where Reardon's and and the Chambers element of the of that group uh, stand, what they might do. Will, will will they bring it back to where it was? Um, but is it, is it too little too late now at this stage? Has the trust been broken? I, I, it really is because, to be honest, you know, while, again, while the community is seeing this for the first time, the treatment of queens and performers and staff for the last few years has been quite poor, you know, from cutting our wage to, you know, dismissive comments to, um, you know, to staff members or, you know, uh, people in the bar getting um, assaulted, say, from, from the customers, things like that. It's it's just been a huge build-up. And the fact that they have, you know, uh, myself and Mia are well-capable uh, DJs. We DJ for events, but we were never allowed to DJ because Reardon's um, insisted on having straight male DJs. Again, if you went into a queer space in the UK and that happened, it, it just would never happen so it's just been a build-up of, of a lot um and i understand their side of it of trying to make money like i've been i managed a bar straight out of school 2008 i've been running spaces across cork since then for i've been to drag for 14 years so i understand the money aspects of it but again um as mia said there is so much money in our community but they they're not invested okay uh, just stay with me a second candy joe from joseph's hair salon is on the line hiya joe Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm very good. You want to uh, put in your tuppence worth here? Well, you see, yeah, I really want to get it because sometimes with the hair dryers and everything here in the salon, you can't hear much. The only thing I will say is the pink pound was always worth money, you know what I mean? There was a lot of money spent by us and in years gone by. And I think it's so important for that to be recognised and for that security for our young um, mm-hmm. gay, lesbian friends going out now at the moment with all the homophobic things. They need a secure place to go. They need yeah. somewhere that, you know, Chambers has made a lot, a lot, a lot of money in the past from um, gay and lesbians. So, like, I think just, it, it feels like there's a kicking teeth going on. Being, it's all about money for the students for one week. Yeah, okay. It's, it's a particularly I, bad line, Joe. Do you go into town anymore? If you do, where do you go? I don't go into town anymore because could you imagine me now inside the gay bar to say, what's that old fogey doing in there? 
Although, to, to be fair, we had a gay colleague on a previous radio station, and back then, and we're giving away our age now, there was no chambers, it was only loafers. Um, but he'd often ask us to meet him there for a beer because he wouldn't feel confident or he wouldn't feel safe anywhere else. And, and we never felt anything but safe uh, in, yeah. in, in loafers and, and having a bit of fun. Absolutely, loafers. And there was another place called The Other Place. And you could go in there. Once you got in the door at all, you'd have been escorted in and up the stairs. But once you got in, you were safe. It was a safe environment. Okay. And we all minded each other. We all looked after each other. Joe and Candy, if I ever meet you in person, I've got a fabulous joke about loafers. Um, but I can't tell <laughs> it on the air. Okay. No, well, I've got fabulous jokes as well. But just to say that, you know, our the Pink Pound was such a big thing, and it still is. And it's huge going into, into chambers mm-hmm. there on a Saturday night. In to see the drag queens, in to see everything is unbelievable. Uh, and so is, is, is every hair salon in town open and welcoming and, and doing trade with, with with the community? Or are there specialised areas there as well, Candy? Oh, no. Uh, sorry, sorry. Can you say that no. again? I have to go anyway, lads. Goodbye. Okay, thanks, Joe. Uh, no, I'm just wondering, in, in, in Joe's uh, profession, which is in, yeah. in, it's a hair salon, uh, are there selected yeah. ones you, that you go to, or, or is it open season, go to anyone? For hairdressers, is it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I open season, but um, there's no specific, you know, LGBT hairdressers. You would get, you would definitely have that in the UK and the states. Um, but you would probably go to ones where you're, uh, you know, that maybe uh, have more gay staff, or you feel comfortable because that would be another space that you you would definitely feel a vibe. Um, but like he just said there, well, he was mentioning all those uh, those bars when I came out and. 2008 on the scene working yeah I think we had five or six bars across the city um, so it's just such a shame now that what's happened you know uh, myself and the other queens do work with, with venues across the city um, on our own nights but again I think it's I'm, I'm hoping that something good comes out of this and it's a chance for us to open a space or see bars you know work with the community on opening um, a, a, an actual residence space yeah okay I'm not sure if you saw the, uh, the documentary it's on Netflix I think it's called Welcome to Wrexham with Ryan Reynolds, uh, the Deadpool star. He bought the club himself and Rob McElhenney. He bought the Wrexham Football Club from a collective of fans who saved it from being sold to a property developer because it's the oldest football Mm. ground in the world. And I won't harp on that, but it's just leading me to the question. You you guys are a big enough community to do a a collective, not a GoFundMe now, but, you know, a collective fundraising purchase and run your own premises, are you not? That's definitely been the conversation that I've had with the Queens and my group Machia and my Mia Goals. We've definitely spoken about that. Um, I've been in flux with messages over the last few days about, because I do run a lot of, of queer nights across Cork. Um, I think it would just be up to, yeah, somebody who's, I mean, myself and the Queens would be about the entertainment and the creative side of things. If we could find somebody that would happily invest and work with us on mo- on the, the money side of things, uh, 100%, we would love to do that. Okay. Um, and maybe that's a door that somebody can push open because it, it seems to me yes. to make correct business sense. If a, if, if a, a community, as minority uh, as you may feel to be, you're obviously a large yeah. group of people. You feel disenfranchised. Um, that there must be a new yeah. franchise for you. All right. Exactly. Candy, yeah. I hope we've been yeah. fair, fair, fair to you so that, and, and we will have the Students' Union on. They're just not available right now. Brilliant. Thanks a million, Brilliant. Candy. Thanks so much, mate. Candy yeah. Warhol there. Just to get to some of the texts, uh, and you're welcome to text us on 0868 104 106. Uh, Mary says, it's not BS, uh, it's a disgrace. Uh, why do they have to rename it or remove all gay decor? 
There are plenty of freshers from college who are gay too and they might want to frequent a place where they feel comfortable. Very easy to say it's BS when you're not affected. Uh, Tom says, what a load of bull. People are queuing up to be offended. Any excuse will do. Michelle says, well done to everybody who came out and spoke about this. The statement comes after this became national news. Nothing to, uh, said to employees and community members affected before this. You can't be a gay bar two nights a week and expect the LG, uh, L- LGBTQIA plus community uh, to feel like it's a place for them, uh, let alone a safe one. Not to mind the impression this is giving to students who may have been excited to go to the one and only gay bar. Vote with your feet in this economy and uh, don't go uh, to offending premises. Uh, um, and there's a list of them here and I don't want to uh, do them down by uh, by calling out a, a clarion call for uh, for places not to uh, not to attend. I'm sure the uh, community are mature enough to make their own decisions. Uh, Alan says, does the LGBT community dictate Irish society now or something? Every week they're peed off about something. Imagine encouraging a boycott for a business that used to, uh, that was used as a safe haven for the LGBT community simply because it wants to change its uh, decor for a week. Get over yourselves. James says, it's not the same though. They've removed any and all traces of LGBTQIA plus from the venue cancelled drag shows so it just appeals more for straight people and telling a drag queen that their show has been cancelled for a few weeks on on Thursdays uh, so they don't scare people away management have been profiting off the queer community for far too long says James one final one Graham so why take down all the flags paint the logo on the wall remove all drag posters uh, because you haven't been doing that since 2016 that's kind of in rebuttal to the uh, statement uh, which came in from Chambers. We will come back to it uh, when we can talk to the Students' Union and get their position. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. 26 minutes past 10. This is Mick Mulcahy on the Neil Prenderville Show. If I'm reading all things music, I go to Niall Stokes, maybe read his editorial in the... Uh, in the hot press. If I pick up the Irish Times, I'm drawn towards Miriam Lord. Uh, but when I pick up the uh, Irish Independent, it's to its Ireland editor, who always seems to be spot on, and that is Fionnán Sheehan. Uh, I've also watched him on TV. Good morning, Fionnán. You, you kind of hit the nail on the head most of the time. Morning, Mick. <laughs> okay. Uh, another dramatic day in is, the house yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and, and kind of, it's kind of reversed where RTE aren't putting the spotlight. Um, can I just start by saying that through all of this furore with, uh, with Ryan Tuberty, the, the, the one group of people I found to be above reproach, as well as, as most of the, uh, you know, the, the political commentators, etc., are the members of the NUJ from RTE. They gave their bosses no quarter. They were ruthless in their pursuit of, of of the truth because they too are affected. Yeah, I mean the the difficulty is you're you're covering events that are happening within the organisation within which which you work. So you have to be you know uh, not only diligent in your work but be seen to, to do so without yeah. fear or favour. So yeah, they've, they've, they've continued to do I, that. I think they did a good job there. I credited you this morning and I wrote, I re- read the start of your piece verbatim in in our newspaper review. Uh, do you mind if I do so again because it's powerful stuff? Patrick Kilty has his work cut out for himself. He could interview Elon Musk, Joe Biden and Taylor Swift on the new Late Late Show tomorrow night and it still wouldn't be as captivating as the questions put to the RTE board yesterday. It wasn't so much an interview they were put through, more an interrogation. Without Ryan Tuberty to blame anymore, uh, the board found themselves coming under heavy shelling. That came in particular, of course, Fionn, from Brendan Griffin of Fine Gael. Yeah, so I mean, what we saw uh, 
yesterday was strange in that it seemed to be a continuation of what we were getting before uh, with a kind of a, a lack of the answers to the questions that the members of the committee were were, were posing. And you could sense the frustration from the members of the committee. And, uh, you know, there was no longer a case that, of uh, well, you know, that was Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly. And, you know, that was D Forbes. And that was such and such a person who is now retired. And it was basically just the new executive team and the, the board. And they suddenly found that there was no one else to, to <laughs> point the finger at. And they were the ones uh, who were the subject uh, of the IR. And there was a fairly systematic run-through by... Uh, Brendan Griffin, TD in particular, of inadequacies on 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 the board's part, not not just in terms of of this issue, but in terms of how it conducted uh, its its business uh, over recent years, uh, and the, and the shortcomings there in terms of a, a you know just a, a lack of basic meetings, uh, a lack of of uh, assessment, a lack of expertise on on relevant uh, committees a lack of, of questions uh, being raised by the board when proposals came came through to them. So he threw it back on them and basically said, you need to start owning this issue that there was a financial crisis in RTE up until now. That's become worse. You're, you're the people who were in, in charge. Uh, so are any of you going to take responsibility for it? And it was kind of hitting a dead wall, really. He wasn't getting yeah. anybody putting their, their hands up admitting that there was there was failings in their part. There seemed to be kind of passage admissions that, you know, maybe some some more questions should have been asked and so on. There was also just a, a lack of, of basic responses to questions that we were told would be answered. So before the summer, we were told Ryan Tuberty was paid money between 2017 and 2019. The amount of money he was paid was uh, was was one was one figure. Yeah. The amount of money that the public were told he was paid was another figure, and that was that was a a, a lower figure. And they didn't and, just lie to the public; they lied to the Oireachtas. Yeah, the Oireachtas, uh, the, the the government, uh, and the public as a whole were 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 misled. This was part of the original revelation uh, on Ryan Tuberty lumped in with other payments uh, made to him from side deals and so on. Uh, and then ultimately we had a two-month-long investigation from a top five accountancy firm, uh, and now the committee were back, and the the, member, uh, the members were turning to the RT board and executives just saying, all right, okay, you have the report, so what's the answer? Why why were we lied to? And who lied? And they couldn't get an answer to that either. So they were kind of scratching their heads. Going, and and, and know, why so is the same where, board, here? the same board that presided over this debacle, giving themselves mm-hmm. a four out of five? I think the report, the retort was that's Saddam Hussein style rankings. That's Saddam Hussein ranking himself. But the same board are now cap in hand looking for fifty million. Yeah, it, 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 I mean that was the point that was being raised was was that you know you people were approving the job that you were doing, but you weren't doing the job because you weren't raising fundamental questions. I mean, ultimately. I showed a musical was the classic example. Uh, they were basically saying, well, that wasn't brought to the board for approval, to which the answer back was, well, what are you there for? I mean, if you're not scrutinizing something, uh, a major project like that, that subjects uh, the the organization to a major financial risk, what's the point if you've been there uh, at all? There wasn't really answers uh, yeah. to, to my, that. My uh, favorite part of yesterday... And, my favourite part of yesterday, yeah. if you know, was when, uh, and you've written about this as well, when RT Director General Kevin Backhorse got tetchy 
over Griffin's description of the barter account as a slush fund. The response was, there was 2,000 flip-flops. That's what most people yeah. would call a slush fund. I mean, it was fairly well established. Cullen Burke, uh, your own local TD, Cork North Central, uh, also a, a, a solicitor, pulled out a legal dictionary at a previous meeting and read out the definition of a slush fund. And that was about a a secret fund that, that is operated uh, without any any transparency or accountability to it. And, and he basically said that matches exactly what the Barter account was used for. So it was curious that Kevin Backer suddenly started getting uh about that because as far as that 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 particular those particular rockets committees are concerned, this is a, this was a slush fund and they've discussed that before and and there's no argument uh, about it. So it was there was legitimate questions from Brendan Griffin and from Alan Dillon about well, what exactly is the status of the slush fund now? Is is it shut down? Does it still continue? And they were told, oh well, it continues, but it's only for sale of advertising and, and raising revenue there's nothing bought out but there's no more there's yeah. no more flip flops or match tickets or, or anything like that but you know th- these are the legitimate kind of questions that the, the committee have been asking yeah and because they, 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 you know, not my, getting answered to to my eyes they failed to give proper explanation account for fully or reconcile any of their you know their misdemeanors or deeds of the past yet, yet they're asking for 50 million and they're asking for the trust of the government to fix things in the future yeah, and, and this is the difficulty. You have a point made from by, by Brendan Griffin. He said he's to pay his TV licence next month if he give you 160 quid. And yet I wouldn't even trust you with the 160 quid, let, let alone 160 million. So look, the RT executives came in and the board came in yesterday and said, we need money, the licence fee doesn't work, we're falling short of money, so they're looking for 35 million, they're they're going to be down another 21 million by the end of the year due to TV licence fee revenue falling off. They're looking for the handout for the government. And the answer that they're now getting back is, well, sorry, A, you have to rebuild trust uh, in your organisation, and B, uh, you're not just getting free money here. There's going to have to be a, a strategic plan in place. So we're expecting that in the coming weeks before the budget, we'll get some sort of picture from RT of where they, they see things going, and that'll be a slimmed-down organisation with items on the table, including uh, wide-ranging uh, redundancies, uh, sale of, of part or all of their their headquarters, less programming, less in, less investment. So uh, there is going to be a, a cost cutting undertaken uh, in RTE, and and basically at, at this point we're just waiting to see well how extensive is it. Yeah, so le- less programming means your your license if you paid is going to be buying you less. Job job cuts are going to have to be the order of the day, and and uh, some will be voluntary, I suppose. Not that the voluntary ter- uh, redundancy terms can be very generous because of the financial situation. Um, there's going to be a cessation oh, oh, of, oh, of oh, but hold employment. Hold on, Mick. Hold on. Hold on. The, the, the voluntary terms were quite generous previously. Previously, we're yes. For, we're waiting for another report on uh, people who left the organisation and and despite the fact that their jobs uh, still had to be filled, so they weren't really redundancies, they were just people leaving, uh, and the amount of payments that, that they got. So the difficulty now is going to be that, that people who left under previous terms got got rather generous exit packages. The people who are shown the door now won't be. And it was also, there may not be compulsory redundancies, but there was talk yesterday of targeted redundancies. And targeted redundancies is, is basically where jobs are identified that are no longer... Uh, needed and the people that are in those jobs are basically told we don't need we don't need you here anymore. Uh, so you know th- th- there's 
It was mentioned yesterday that the changes that have to be brought about are not immediate. They could take anything up to five years, and that's probably right. Yeah, the, a, a programme like this talk show, which doesn't play any music for you know, and goes on for three hours, n- needs a couple of very well-able producers. But there, there, there are music shows on RTE that have two and three producers. There isn't a single music programme here that needs a producer, and, and the independent sector ha, ha, have proven that. Anyway, that's just one thing. If they could turn back time, w- would they just declare every penny they pay to Ryan Tuberty and just argue he's worth it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, the, the argument uh, here is on, on the previous payments in 2017 to 2019, he was paid a certain amount. That was under his, his contract. The, the the contract was legitimately negotiated. This is what the value that they placed on him as their their flagship broadcaster. There was then an issue in 2020-2022 where he was paid a side deal because they said they were cutting him out of money that that he was paid. So another means of remunerating him uh, was 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 concocted. I, I I don't think they could they could justify uh, that that deal uh, now. But but basically. Uh, what is now being said by the RT management is that, look, presenter fees have been too high. I mean, there was a controversy. This isn't the first controversy. There was a controversy um, a decade ago exactly now uh, where Ray Darcy was signed from, from 2FM, and I think he was at either 400 or 500 grand at the time. This was coming up in the top. He said, why on earth are you paying someone this amount of money uh, the country was was emerging from uh, an economic uh, crash, so the difficulty that RT have is just that. Last year, we saw that they were going to the government saying we need money, and at the same time, the same executive team were getting ten percent pay rises. Yesterday, a- an issue came up where the director general was being asked, "You're coming in here looking for all this money, and yet you have a contract out there at the moment for a quarter of a million euros for somebody to take." photographs of the Fair City cast and episodes of it. How are you justifying this? So RTs have got these issues at hand where they're not showing that they're delivering uh, value for money uh, and therefore there is a reluctance on the politicians' part to just throw good money after bad here that they want to see a plan at this stage about what strategically where the organisation is going into the future. Yeah. Okay, and your own prediction? Massive cuts, I, I, uh, massive pay I, I, cuts for the for the yeah, big stars. Some of them poached I, I, by the independent sector, maybe. I think their difficulty is got contractual obligations. That's both in, in terms of people who are who are permanently in jobs uh, and people who are are under contracts. But so that that will take a considerable period of time. There will be redundancies. Always in redundancy programs, you get you get people who will leave voluntarily. I think it's going to go beyond that. That, that this time there will be people who don't want to leave who will be made uh, redundant uh, as well. There is, I don't think the entire campus is going to be sold off, but I, I think you're going to see another uh, chunk of acreage sold yeah. off there. Because there's, there's, there's uh, going to be huge costs in, in moving that broadcasting and transmission equipment anyway. So I, I would be, yeah. I mean, if, if you were to, you know, start uh, afresh, um, I'm sure the CEO and Red FM could go back. 20 years and tell us, you know, how much how much does it cost to start uh, a radio station from from scratch, uh, new building, new studio, and so on and so forth. Uh, we give you an insight, but I mean, yeah, RT would have to move, you know, lock, stock, and barrel, you know, be it to West Dublin or to Athlone or wherever. Yeah, uh, and, and probably sell and to a, to FM on the way. Yeah, to FM has is repeatedly mentioned because it's regarded as as an entity that is profitable in its right or can be profitable in its own right, uh, and therefore. Also, has an output that you know doesn't 
quite fall underneath the, the you know the massively under the public service remit. Yeah, fine. You have to cater to youth audiences, but that can be done uh, in other ways. I mean that that as you know, the sector is is highly regulated anyway. So it's not as if whoever buys two of them can go off and do whatever do whatever they want. With change it, it's ethos, yeah, and, and compete against yeah, RT one or something. Yeah, no, you, no problem. You can't, or, or change it into a you know a solely a dance music channel or something like that. It'll be regulated. It'll be for a particular particular right. market, and, and and that's fine. I got to leave it there. We got John Byrne holding for quite some time, and I must take a commercial thank break. Finan Sheehan, Irish Independent. Thank you so much for joining us. Cheers. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Seventeen minutes to eleven o'clock. Thanks for holding, John Byrne. You've been holding a while. Good morning, sir. Good morning. And what point would you like to make on RTE? I know you have something to say on the guards as well. Well, we, we, we're all at a, a loss to understand how RTE could be left run uh, to show the way they did. Uh, there was no supervision. Uh, well, the girl that answers all the questions got sick. She couldn't go in front of the Senate and I only hope she's recovered now, that she's made a full recovery, you know? So, uh, and she could have answered all the questions at the start. You know, if Tuberty made a deal with them and was locked in, that's fair enough. But at least tell us how the deal uh, came about mm-hmm. and what exactly he was going to be doing for us. But this idea that uh, it had to be paid to a third-party company overseas and and the money that RT spent on a, a particular club in London that they used twice. Like, I mean, there's, there's no management there. But there was seemed to be plenty of money that was coming from the government, from the taxpayers, uh, a slice of uh, what we give up. Yeah, it, and, it, uh, it appears that the Audit and Risk Committee, uh, now that, that's the committee that's charged with guarding the finances, right? These are the gatekeepers. But apparently there's no accountants there, which is kind, sure. it's kind of extraordinary. There, there was um, an engineer and two journalists, I think, and um, a, a kind of an industrial relations lawyer or mediator or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, you would pre- well, you would presume Mick, that uh, they knew the difference between right and wrong, and like if they didn't uh, put their hands up and uh, decide to call a halt to it, they, they were condoning it. So they're in, they're as involved as anybody else. Mm. If you see something going wrong, and it's blatantly wrong, doesn't want us on you to either get away from it or stand up and, and disagree with it. Neither was done because they were all getting well paid out of this. Yeah. And we had we had people within uh, what was supposed to be a standalone business that's popped up by taxpayers' money, doing as they please, when they pleased. Yeah, and you know something. I'd, I'd be very honest. I don't follow politics much, and I'd, I'd never until this morning heard of uh, Finnegal TD Brendan Griffin, but he's given me some laughs this morning, uh, and and has gone up in my estimation. Apparently, he badger. Didn't see it all now. Saw some of it. But at that stage, he was badgering them well. Uh, but when he said, I wouldn't trust them with my 160 euro, uh, never mind 160 yeah. million, I'd rather go down to Murphy's Bar in Bulteens and buy a round of drinks. At least I'd know where my money went. I'd get more cultural content and I'd get more straight talking from people. Yeah, <laughs> Only in Ireland. Point. Brilliant, though. It was a fair point. But when, you, when you look back on it, we've had people dragged through the courts by the, by the, by the, by the state powers because they were either too poor or they couldn't afford the licence because they were trying to feed children or, or, or pay a bill in, in the house. And they were dragged through the courts for a standalone company and, and uh, the forces of the state were, were, uh, were put against them. And judges inside the court then, who were probably government appointed, 
saw no problem with it by sending him to Mount Joy or sending him to any other prison. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is this is a, absolutely totally uh, Mickey Mouse stuff, you know. Yeah, and and, 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 but, and, and we're in a situation now where they're thinking about selling off some of the land. So tell me, who reaps the, the benefit from the sale of the property? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like we've put hundreds of millions, if not billions, into RTE. Uh, down through years through government subsidies. So, do do any of this go back into the coffers that can be spread among uh, the, the, the people in the country, like handicapped children, uh, medical stuff, uh, and all the other uh, departments that are underfunded and and that are uh, running on a shoestring? I, I remind that money go. I'm reminded of the words that um, journalist Liam Fay wrote about a different organisation, but they kind of ring true uh, to this as well. Their noses sanctimoniously high in the air uh, while their paws were simultaneously deep in the greasy till. That says a lot, oh, doesn't ab- it? Ab- absolutely. This, this, is, uh, this was like a, a, a complete uh, scam job that was going on. Yeah. There's some of the staff inside there who were there for years working there alongside these people were kept out of the loop purposely in case they'd break ranks. So to, it was only those within the ranks who could be trusted had the full details of what was going on inside. I mean, like, it's, it's like a scene from the mass here when they're sitting around the table. But it's, and, it's and, almost and, as and, if Kevin Backhurst, you know, the new DG and Shuni Rahlik, uh, were, were saying, you know, that the, we're blaming now, we've no authority to blame, we're blaming the, the licence fee collection system because we're not getting enough in. Uh, and and the committee were at pains to say, but you're not managing what you're getting in, and you're asking for more and for more from the license fee. Yes, and tell me, by the reckoning, how much is enough? Mm. I, I, I know I, I know that they, one of the defence uh, defences used yesterday was that they inherited had inherited a uh, an old antiquated system which was obsolete and redundant, and we need new fresh. A fresh injection of cash, uh, a fresh collection of license fees. The only way that's going to be 100% effective is if it's given over to the revenue commissioners. Um, and, and But what's hanging over the government's head is the future of public service broadcasting in Ireland. Well, what's hanging over the government's head is that they need to get RTE back on, on track uh, for the next election so that they can sing the praises of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. So we get back to square one where we were with the two main parties. Well, the, the cynical amongst us would say that that is going to be the end game here, that enough manners will be put uh, on RTE, uh, that Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, and to an extent the Greens will get a soft ride through the next election, <laughs> while Sinn Féin and the Independents will get hammered. But am I just being cynical? Oh, yeah. Am I being cynical? Oh, no, 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 no. Look, look uh, every time that we're coming into an election... There'll be uh, all Sinn Féin history and IRA history brought up on radio and television. There'll be programmes. They'll be slotted in to, to, to uh, throw the people in a different direction. We're, we're quite used to that at this stage. It's called propaganda. You know? And, like, with what goes on in RTE, uh, Goebbels wouldn't have got a job in, uh, in, in uh, RTE because he wouldn't, have been, he wouldn't have been up to it. Anyway, you, you, you wanted to mention uh, the Gardaí and the, and the uh, Drew Harris vote of no confidence. Oh, I was fascinated by that. I was fascinated so by had, the actual number. I was expecting, you know, low 80s, but almost well, 99%. Well, we don't know what he's capable of doing yet because he's not there long enough. 
But wouldn't you think that the 99% that voted against them, that they would have been more concerned with what was going on in Templemore with the money laundering and racketeering within their own ranks? Has that not been sorted yet? Oh, no. This is going on since 1999. Go on. Uh, we, just we, just we, refresh we, me about it there. This was about where um, an audit... 50 bank, 50 bank accounts, apparently, have been run out of Templemore. One guy alone, I think, threw 90 grand out of it. So this is... and. This is all alleged now, Mick, so that you, the programme, don't get into trouble. And, and you don't get into trouble. Thanks for that. This is all, this is all alleged, OK? So <clears throat> what I'm trying to figure out and what I've been trying to figure out for a long time is what can you buy with alleged money? Go on. Uh, are there special products that are, that are up on the shelf or if you go to buy a car and it says this is alleged and you can buy it with this, this money or this funding that they had running? What, what, what were these 50 bank accounts doing or who, who were they servicing? Or, or is it, was there something about land being rented out that wasn't owned by Templemore? That's correct, yeah. That, that's correct. That was, one, that, was, that was one of them. There was also some sort of a restaurant business running as well. I've lost, more, I've lost interest in... Look, the, the corruption is so deep in this country that I've lost kind of interest down along the way. You know, you sideline it because there's a, there's a new twist the next day on something else. But there's something seriously wrong that if it's going on since 1999 and the Gardaí can solve it within their own ranks. Look, just get simple. There was bank accounts. Who opened the bank accounts? What signatures were on them? Where's the returns for them bank accounts? Where's the bank statements? What credit cards were used? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a report here. Thank you, Seamus. New information has emerged about financial irregularities at the Garda College in Templemore, including the alleged existence of offshore bank accounts in the college's name. More than 400 pages of documentation have been sent to the Doyle Public Accounts Committee by Ungarda Siakona, containing a number of new claims, including the use of a bank account in the name of the Garda Laundry account for payment of bonuses. Uh, is that laundering uniforms or laundering money? Anyway, loans to staff as well and the funding of entertainment and sporting expenses. A report by an internal audit unit released in March of this year discovered the college had been renting out land it did not own, running 50 bank accounts, and using public money to fit out privately owned shops. It's hardly the subject of the uh, the vote of uh, confidence, um, but as you say, what would they have voted if they were voted for, for more, more stringent checks into this? Yeah, well... <coughs> Is it the way that Harris is trying to put an end to all this and, and they're kicking back against them? They're putting manners on them? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, I mean, let, let, let's, let's call a spade a spade, you know. Like, if you have a problem in the morning, you're not supposed to go at it yourself. It's, it's, it's something that's going on. Breaking into your house, you're supposed to ring the Gardaí. Now, those of us who have ringed the Gardaí lately have uh, had problems with the phone being answered. I'm not the only one that's, that's come across this. Many people have spoken about it. So are the understaffed or are they, are, are they not interested? They're understaffed, underpaid and demoralised. Who demoralised them? Well, that's, that's what they'll tell you themselves. That's what their spouses will tell you. That's, what, that's the flavour of what we're getting on this show, from the, not just from the GRA um, and, and not directly from any serving member, but from their significant others. Yeah, but sure, any fellow that's uh, demoralised in his job, he should think about leaving. And, and get and find something and finding that find something that suits them. And many of them are. Yeah, well, that's grand. So obviously they're after copying on that this isn't for me. But what we what we are back to is is, is the thing in in, uh, in Templemore. That's racketeering, running businesses that don't exist, 
and, and taking money in it. That's racketeering, and, and there's nothing else. And then money had to be laundered so that it could be spent. Yeah, I, I don't, that, I don't that, have an, that, an up-to-date on it. I'm, I'm just reading a report uh, that the audit revealed allegations of offshore bank accounts. Let, let's, let's see if we can get a, a, a position statement as to where it's at now and, 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 and to what's going to be done about it because, as you say, it's a very serious matter. Well, you better email them because the chances of somebody answering the phone are slim to none. <laughs> i got to go, John. got to read some text. Thanks a million. Uh, Good luck, uh, God Thank you. Um, some text coming in on the subject of Drew Harris. Uh, would you have had as many turnout? Uh, this kind of this is kind of going along with what John is saying. Um, why, why don't they vote uh, on their own practices uh, and have a look at the offshore accounts in Templemore, says a texter. Uh, in Dunkettle, I'm stuck in traffic here coming from Cove towards the city. It's backed up all the way back to beyond Little Island. Uh, so the Dunkettle interchange is money well spent indeed, make, is it? Uh, on RTE, make RTE seek almost 34 million from taxpayers who are not at fault for the mess. Where is D Forbes gone? Is she in receipt of a pension from RTE or a payout in the form of a lump sum from RTE? She should be compelled to answer questions and pensions held until she appears before the PAC, the Public Accounts Committee, and adequately answers questions. This whole sorry mess reminds me of the now liquefied McInerney Home saga where the taxpayers were left with a mess and the top brass walked into the sunshine without explaining to us shareholders who put money into the company to prop up the incompetent top brass running the company. We were left with debts and the top brass walked off scot-free. Investors and creditors of the company were left to rot and the same thing cannot happen within RTE, a state-funded entity. There were 4x4 Jeeps, vans, etc. that went missing and were never seen again. Okay, companies fail. Everything from recruitment agencies to builders to pubs to travel agents don't succeed here and there. This is a fact. It's understandable. But top brass in all companies uh, in this country must be forced to explain where it went wrong and why it went wrong and what became of the money. RTE should be no different. On the Chambers and Sinners um, story we covered in the first hour and a bit, I can't believe that man has a problem with straight people going into a gay bar. If it was the other way around, it would be a major deal. It would make every newspaper in the pub would lose their licence. Has he learned anything? I don't get this person. They want their cake and eat it. Aren't they supposed to be uh, about acceptance and inclusion? They should try to accept others, says GP in Blarney. And we have more calls and comments after news at 11 o'clock. If you want to get in touch, our phone number is 0818 Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Now on a radio talk show that rarely if ever plays music, you might be wondering what's going on. But the creator of that, uh, along with his band, is Liam Heffernan, who joins me on line two. Good morning, Liam. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm very good. I spoke about you, you the other day, actually, because you and I had a spirited argument one night. Very, very gentle, but uh, uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll, uh, I'll recount that in a moment. Uh, but, uh, but as a celebration of, of, the, of the 40th anniversary of Glenra, welcome to the programme, Blackie Connors. 
Well, no, I haven't been called that in a long time. Yeah, I know. And was that a kind of a strange part to take? Uh, in that, as far as I know, you don't have an ethnic traveller background, but you portrayed the character so well. Well, thanks very much. Uh, no, but I had um, I had worked in theatre and education and uh, with graffiti in Cork. That's where I started, actually. And uh, then I moved to Dublin and I worked with Team Theatre Company there. And um, during that time, we worked with a group called the Dublin Traveller Education and Development Group which subsequently became Pavi Point. So there was like, we were, we were working, trying to divide the play with travellers, about travellers and about settled people and the relationship. So I had all that in my bag when I went for the audition uh, for Glen Road that day, um, a thousand years ago, I think it was. And was it a part that Wesley Burroughs had written in or was it something well, that uh, maybe yeah, your, your, yeah. your appearance suggested? Well, uh, no, he had written he had written a character, a traveller character. Um, there was also like before that in the Reardons, there was um, there was a character called Eamon. Oh, I remember Eamon. Uh, I can't remember yeah. his, his real name. He caused Joe Pilkington an, was the actor. Pil- yeah. Pilkington, yeah. He Joe caused Pilkington, an absolute. Actually, is in Fair City now, so yeah. yeah, he caused an absolute furore on the Late Late Show. But I think by mentioning the word condom. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Anyway. I wasn't in that night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the first by any means, you know. And um, I I don't know. I suppose like my my portrayal or whatever have influenced Wesley. I don't know. You 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 can't ask him that now. Obviously, he's no longer with us. Uh, but what a great writer! I mean, absolutely amazing. You would never have to learn his lines. He was that good, you know. Yeah, like that's a that's the best compliment you can give a writer because he knows the character so well. This is what the character would say at this point. So you wouldn't, you know, other writers were brought in later, and no disrespect to them, but they were they were harder to learn. <laughs> yeah, so so he he's writing it for a cast that he for any writer these characters are living in in their heads for years previous, aren't they? I'd imagine so, yeah, but he was so good. I mean, like all the characters, any time you got a Wesley script, it was just, everybody just smiled at the end of the read, you know? Yeah. It was, uh, it was marvellous. Yeah, I mean, uh, Coronation uh, Street's writer, I think if I remember correctly, was Tony Warren. If if, if you look at uh, Only Fools and Horses and, and the work of John Sullivan, um, yes, yes, I think yes. he, he had a Glenmire connection, one of his parents, I think. Uh, and, you know, going further afield, uh, the absolute brilliant writing for the West Wing and uh, the newsroom of um, Aaron Sorkin. So, so yeah. r- r- writers writers rely really uh, on characters like yourself to bring forth what what they see in their heads. And and, and yeah, is and, character and like Blackie know, easy to write for? Is the, is the is the, is the flip question? Well, well, this is the thing. I mean, what was what was wonderful about Glenrow is that it was kind of it was character driven. You know. The storylines kind of came second, whereas a lot of the soaps these days are just kind of uh, storyline driven, if you know what I mean. So people attach themselves to the characters, you know, and um, they, then you could put the characters into various situations and people would go with you. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it seems to be a bit different now. I, I, any character will have, in any kind of TV series, will have numerous affairs over the years and numerous kind of shenanigans and all sorts of stuff, you know. Ken Barlow, he did some philandering, didn't he? Well, I can't say. I know the story there, to be honest. Oh, I mean, if, if that was a female character, 
Uh, and I'm sure there were a few that had multiple affairs, but Ken was actually going through 20 or 30 different affairs over, over his long tenure Maybe so. in, in Coronation Street. Yeah, you, you, you were a young actor at the time, Liam, when you, when, when you joined uh, um, When I was in the 80s, so I, was, I would have been in my late 20s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, work, work, yeah. working with household names, I mean, it, was it Glenn Rohr Bracken that we first saw Gabriel Byrne coming through? It was he came in at the end of the Reardons, I believe, and then took over Bracken. So they, there was a connection there all the way through, you know? Yeah. There was like, I think, yeah, I think Pat Barry came into the end of the Reardons and that became Bracken. And then Millie, uh, Millie, Miley <laughs> um, and uh, Dinny. Miley and Dinny. No, Miley and Dinny were in, in Bracken and then they went over the hill down to Glen Rose. So that was yeah. that was the connection. But strangely enough, um, because Myra Didi, who came in as Blackie's mother, also from Cork actually, and uh, she had been Mir- Mary Reardon. So there was, you could say Benji and Blackie were, were brothers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and Joe, Joe Lynch to work with met him once, and he, he was dinny to the core, a, 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 a little a little posher, a little posher in the Neil Tobin yeah. sense. <laughs> and again from Blackpool as, as yeah as you, as, as you are yourself as I am myself and Donald Farmer indeed as well was also from Father Devereux. Indeed, yeah. So there was sometimes there was the three of us there together looking at each other, speaking in Cork accents, and nobody understood us. You know. Wow. Um, was it unusual, Liam, that most of, because it, it doesn't happen today, if you look at Only Fools and Horses, very little filmed outside. Most of Glenrow was filmed outside with the indoor shots yeah. made in Ardmore Studios. Exactly, yeah. Well, at the beginning, yeah, but they, they built studios in RT and in Montrose then. Um, I'd say, I, I don't know what year they were built, but like we were there for most of the time I was there. Um, I'd say the first two seasons were out in Ardmore and I maybe went in in 88 or something like that. Yeah. So maybe it was 1990 or so. Um, yeah, most of it, we had three days shoot outside and two days inside. So yeah, there was more outside than inside. But of course, it's it's harder to shoot outside as well. So you mightn't have as many scenes outside, you know. And your favourite memory from the whole thing? Oh my goodness, there's just too many. There's just way too many. I had such a good time there, you know. A few bloopers um, here and there? Yo, without a doubt. I appeared plenty of time in the Christmas uh, outtakes, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I tell you what, we had a little spirited argument about it. And, and to be honest, when I mentioned it the other day on the air, I gave you credit as winning, right? I think we might have been, we might have been at a Cooney and Begley concert. We were definitely in the lobby bar. Uh, okay. uh, it, it was. It, we, we were definitely only barely able to get the last drink. If you get my drift, we, we okay. were cer- certainly at the end of the night, and we had we had a discussion about the the Irish term "doll fake." Right. And I was saying, um, yeah, my my dad uses that all the time, and I I, I think it's um, "daw" is a fool and "fake" is a forgery. And uh, you came, right. you came back with a much stronger command of the Irish language than I had, by the way. And said, <laughs> "You said, no, no, go, go is two, and fake is is look, two looks. I'm I'm saying fake, uh, a fool's forgery, and you're saying no, you have to look twice to catch uh, what the craftsman yeah, did there. there. So, yeah, so yeah, I, I, yeah. I I gave it to you. Uh, well, good man. Well, come on, the Irish language, I say. You know, <laughs> how's life these days, Liam? You're still it's working very away. Good. Yeah, yeah, doing a bit. I just uh, I was just shooting something up in Dundalk there for a couple of weeks, and um, yeah, and um, I, I'm playing away with a, a band called Big Boy Foolish. Yeah, myself and Ricky, 
Ricky Deneen, all the way from Churchfield. And this is and, this um, is featuring Jay Kelly. Uh, well, that particular song that you were yeah. uh, that you you might have played on the intro there. Yeah, that, there's a guy called uh, Justin Kelly from a, a band called Sons of Southern Ulster, whom we we played with last year. We we played up in Wheelands in Dublin, and we played in Listowel with them as well in uh, Mike Pies. And um, yeah, so we asked we asked Justin just to throw a bit of a rant in the middle of the song, which he did beautifully. Yeah, any uh, upcoming gigs where people can can check out Big Boy Foolish, where where maybe We're some Glen Rowe fans can check out Blackie Connors all in one go. <laughs> There's not, not going to be any black Connors performance, I'm afraid. Is it grey, um, grey stroke, whitey Connors now? Oh um, man, the baldy Connors, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> baldy Connors, and yeah, well, we don't have any set gigs at the moment. Uh, we're working on an album, which we're hoping to release before Christmas, and um, that's kind of what we're focusing on at the moment. But there will be gigs, and sure, we'll get onto you when we have them. Exactly, please do. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's it's, it's all in the past. Yeah. We're circling the plug hole now, you, you and me, Liam. We, I we, know, we'll we, have to start that one out, you know. We, we were fine fit men at the time. <laughs> Thanks a million for coming on in, in memory of the, right. the 40th anniversary of Land, no Land bother, Road. And your good okay, time there. Best of luck with all the music as all well. Right. Cheers, thanks. Bye-bye. That's Liam Heffernan who played the part of Blackie Connors in Glenrow. morning on the Neil Prendival Show. The time is 20 past 11. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prendival now on 0818 104 Red FM. And good morning from the Neil Prendival Show. As you may have heard in our 11 o'clock news bulletin, some breaking news decomposed remains of man uh, found in Flatton County, Cork. Uh, that uh, goes to the headline. But the de- uh, decomposed remains of a man who appears to have died alone and undiscovered some time ago have been found in an apartment in Yall in County Cork. It's believed the grim discovery was made after neighbours realised the man had not been seen for some time and something was not right in the apartment. Guardian and emergency services were called to the apartment on the seafront in the East Cork town late last night. And some uh, good news on the breaking news side. If you're a prepay power customer, they've just announced they're going to be cutting their gas and electricity rates. So if you're a prepay power, electricity or gas company uh, uh, user, then uh, good news on the way for you. Uh, that should make the news later today as well, uh, that they're cutting their rates, uh, joining the rest of the plethora of supply companies that uh, have started to do so. Uh, inflation is half of uh, what it was uh, six or eight months ago, and yet we still believe the uh, European Central Bank may lop on one more uh, quarter of a percent in- interest rate rise, which is going to affect mortgage holders. Maybe they're overcorrecting. Uh, maybe it's the sign of the last one before a um, uh, pretty large correction in the other direction. Uh, but they seem to be going for like a, a Max Verstappen 10 in a row. They've already had nine interest rate rises in a row. They seem to be going for 10 in a row. Now by email. Hi Mick, I would deeply appreciate if you could mention with sincerest thanks all the staff at the CUH and the team at the A&E the staff at Intensive Care and CCU, the Coronary Care Unit, and especially Dr. Ronan, uh, I don't know, it's, it's written Cutin, C-U-T-I-N, that could be Curtin, 
and his team who really went above and beyond in their professionalism and care in keeping me alive over the past few days. I had a serious life-changing heart attack on Sunday that left me in almost a life-ending situation. And I can't express enough thanks uh, to to everyone there and the administration uh, and for everyone who kept me alive, from Sean, the EMT, and ambulance crew, to the nurses and doctors on the wards. Uh, Thanks. It just doesn't seem... Um, that these amazing hu- human beings ever get enough justice or praise. Anyway, I hope this finds you all in good stead. Kindest regards from a grateful gr- uh, dad and granddad. And they have uh, they have put a first name, but I'll, I'll, just in case, uh, I won't call it out just to, to, to keep uh, anonymity. Uh, I'm 55 and kept myself fit. I genuinely never drank, never done drugs, worked all my life. I followed Neil through his career in Cork from the bungalow above and White's Cross out the road uh, from the Black Man Pub, uh, God, those were the days, back in 85 or 86, I think it was called CCLR at the time. I used to pass it on my way to work uh, and through his time at various uh, programmes since then. Uh, but I did thank the staff on the day, the hospital for the genuine care to a stranger that was at death's door. Uh, and there was not just me there on Sunday, I could genuinely have died. And I'm getting emotional now, um, so I won't be able to come on air. They, they would give up. Uh, if they'd given up, I wouldn't be here to see my children and grandchildren. If there are angels that walk among us, they're in the C-U-H. And, you know, the C-U-H gets its fair amount of stick uh, from the public on this programme. And uh, it's always, and we always do uh, try to redress the balance when when the positive stuff comes in. Uh, But I've said it before and I'll say it again. We have an incredible health system once you get on the correct side of the door. 27 minutes past 11. Uh, if the queens want a place to have their drag nights and LGBTQ nights, leave them go and buy a place. I suggested that. I think it would be very successful. Chambers is part of the Reardon's Group, a private company. They're not obliged to be a host for the LGBTQ community. The two representatives that have been on air have done nothing but complain about discrimination against them over the years. So how's it the only safe place for them? Another texture says, I just wanted a text uh, about Chambers being changed for Freshers' Week. Fair enough about them giving out, but it's only for one week. They need to get over it and it'll be back to normal again after Freshers' at the end of the day. Businesses need to make money and there are loads of straight people who go there all the time. Now then to uh, line two and to Stacey Lewis. Uh, Good morning, Stacey. Hi, how are you? Now, you're running uh, for election as a councillor, not a TD, but as a councillor with Sinn Féin. Uh, Can you tell me why? Um, Really, I suppose, you know, they have have always um, highlighted the crisis within the health system. They've always pointed out that the health system is a two-tier system here. They've always pointed out, I suppose, that, you know, the, the sticky plaster scenario doesn't really work. Um, and when I say that now, what I mean is, you know, outsourcing things and putting a plaster over it as opposed to dealing with with it in a long-term capacity. Okay, so th- is this born from personal experience? Um, yes, I suppose. Um, yeah, I would have personal experience around the healthcare system here. Um, there's a couple of things I can't discuss on air. Okay. Um, personally, because, you know, they're before the high courts, etc., but um, the health system as as a, as a whole is absolutely deplorable. And the A&E system, like, I can't believe what I witnessed, what I saw. My sister was there the other night and what she sent me was just deplorable. 
Mm. And I hasten to add, if you're saying the system, you're not talking about the staff, you're not talking about the doctors or the carers. Oh, absolutely not. I'm on about what they're actually put through themselves. I mean, they're so overworked. It's just unbelievable. Um, under-resourced, underfunded. They, they're trying to do multiple jobs at one time. They, like, I could only imagine the effect and the impact it has on them by the time their shift ends every day. Okay, so what what will running for election as a councillor achieve, do you think? Just got, give it that stronger voice? Um, yeah, I suppose, look, as I said, I actually have personal experience of uh, life in the healthcare system. I have a child um, with multiple, multiple uh, medical conditions um, and we've had to, we've always had to kind of fight for everything, whether it be a service or whether it be an appointment at a hospital, the waiting list. You know, um, like you're waiting five years with a child that's in pain for rheumatology and then go to A&E and it's like the battery effect up there. It's just, you know, they're, they're missing things. They're forgetting to take gloves. They're leaving people out without checking prescriptions, things like that. It, this, this has actually all happened to us, you know. Mm. Uh, what, what did you make of the story yesterday where Anne Rabbit left a meeting with the HSE after an hour? She's the disabilities manager, minister. She stormed out of a meeting with senior HSE officials after relations broke down. Two-hour meeting lasted one hour about the lack of delivery on therapists to schools. I know it's an unrelated issue to yours, but if the relevant minister is having trouble with the HSE, how can we ever hope to have correct systems in place or correct deployment of the funding? Um, so the HSE as it stands is not fit for purpose. Um, and Rabbit, I suppose, has a duty. Um, I can see why the meeting broke down. And Rabbit has a duty to the, the, the members of this country to get things up and running. There's we, like She has to follow rules and regulations, but their own rules and regulations around therapists within schools are not being met, or they're not being followed. Um, like we obviously have outside services now for children. They're the disability teams. None of them are fully staffed. Um, I would have actually highlighted this a couple of years ago with the help of Donna O'Leary and Pauline Tolley. Um, and nothing, nothing has changed really. Mm. You know, we're not one of those. So we we can staff the teams right that we're expecting to deal with the general public. So therefore, how are we going to? get them into schools like I, I know a disability manager personally who has told me that when the graduates were due to graduation the three major universities that she personally undertook to visit all of them and basically advertise the fact that there was funding there for A, B and C we say it could be physios it could be speech therapists it could be whatever and she said not one application did she have from those graduates why mm. you like why are they not staying here you know, there's a reason they're not staying here. It's because they're not valued here. Yeah, we, we've, looked at it, we've looked at it extensively. Well, one of the reasons is they're paid so much more uh, in, in more tax-efficient economies, shall we say, or sunnier climes uh, or, or places where there's less crime or whatever. There, there's always a reason uh, for someone going away. But uh, and, and a lot of it is to do with um, it's becoming the done thing now. They're just uh, in despair uh, back in my generation, you'd be looking at buying a house in your early 20s. That Now they want to travel. Um, yeah, and I feel that, you know what, they probably have to travel. But, like, you know, at one point you could go way off travelling, come back in your 30s even, mm. and still be able to buy a house, whereas if you do that now, you've missed the boat. Literally. But you're already a Sinn Féin rep for, East, for, for Cork East, 
but you want to run yeah. for election as a councillor now. Um, yeah. What, what, what does a Sinn Féin rep do? Um, so I suppose anyone that's a member of Sinn Féin, like, we're activists. Like, we stand up for people in the community. We back people up. Um, like, a lot of my, like, I, you know, a lot of what I do is um, simple things. Even, like, you know, people can't access assessments. They can't access benefits. They, you know, loads of different things. Um, and largely, I, I, at least three times a week, I am either helping somebody yeah. outside of my own job. I work in intellectual disability. That is my main job. So you'll be respected um, as a sense of being on, on the fringes of political activity uh, yeah. that you, you can make contact and get things done. That's fair enough. I just didn't know. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I've been variously accused of being a shinner, a finna faller, uh, a finna gailer. Uh, I don't think I've been accused of being a member of the Green Party because I'm, I'm always giving out about them. Uh, and I'm, I, you know, I'm trying to be impartial and I'm trying to be apolitical. Uh, never been accused of being an independent, but um, Sinn Féin are very quiet at the moment. Are, are they afraid of dirtying their bib before the uh, election campaign gets fully underway or what? I haven't absolutely. heard a whimper from Sinn Féin in the last few months. Absolutely not. Everything is going on behind the scenes. People are working hard. Um, and they also have not only are they working hard, but they're working hard within the community. Um, there's always there's always things being done in the background. Okay, so when the Doyle reconvenes, we can expect a fully throated Sinn Féin to be effective opposition, can we? I would believe so. Yes. Yeah. I would ad- advocate that that is. I would I would say that that is what you will see. Yes. Yeah, because th- this this is the season now where they're going to have to say, "Give us the country." That that's what a lot of people feel is inevitable. Um, but you know, very much like the RTE board, uh, if you know, if if they're not going to get stuck in now, why should we? Why should we invest in them going forward? Would be the question. Look, I can. I suppose I have always voted for Sinn Féin. Um, I've been a member of Sinn Féin for a number of years. Um, this is the next step for me because personally, I was sick of giving out on forums about the way East Cork is left to rot, basically. So this is my opportunity to do something. But many, many people I know in Sinn Féin have the same ideal, ideologically, I thought, of you know how and what is right and proper and fair in, within the community that they live in. Yeah, w- um, would you say their policies are, are ever adequately costed, though? That's the big uh, criticism, uh, criticism leveled against Sinn Féin. You know, there is, listen, there's some extremely, extremely knowledgeable, credible people within Sinn Féin who talk a lot of things. Um, so, yes, and like, you know, as I said, I've always voted personally for them. Um, I've always been a member and I couldn't see myself kind of deviating because I do think that they are they are the party of the people. Okay, the I, normal, I, I, don't, I, don't wanna, I don't want to skew this uh, to a political debate or our listeners will be losing the will to live. But I just had to ask you, as soon as you're a Sinn Féin rep. Um, all right, and we're hearing all the same old diatribe coming from the thinkings of the... Uh, the government parties. We're here to concentrate on, how you know, housing, the accommodation crisis, a better standard of living, the squeeze middle. It's, it's all they've been doing for the last 30, 40 years since I remember uh, listening to what these thinkings are doing. Anyway, that's beside the point. We'll go down a rabbit hole if we do, if we do that. We wish you all the very best in, in, in your efforts to become uh, a councillor. Uh, you know, you, you seem to be doing it with your heart and your sleeve and for the right reasons. Thank you. Thanks a million. And that's good. Cheers, bye-bye. And uh, let's go to uh, line two now and uh, to Sharon. Hi, Sharon. 
No, we don't have her on line two. Perhaps she's on line one. Okay, on line one. Hi, Sharon. Hi. Hi, how's it going? Sorry about that. Now, your daughter, Nicole, uh, who's 23, is in special needs, uh, or special needs services, uh, attending yeah. the uh, John Birmingham Cope Centre in Cork. That's in Glasheen. That's right, yeah. Uh, f- for the past year. Bring us up to speed. Um, well, I was on the phone to the manager yesterday, and um, they've mag- magicked her a carer to mind her for three days next week, but that's it. Okay, so in April of this year, her transport was taken away because she requires an escort, and that's for a very simple reason, is that she has epilepsy. Yeah. Yeah, she was she was going with um, a driver in a small minibus wheelchair thing, you know, and um, she was starting to slide out of the chair. Mm-hmm. And the bus, the bus driver isn't really allowed to touch her, you know. Okay. And um, she was having to pull over and try and get her in the chair again. So with no escort, and, transport was withdrawn? Um, yeah, the bus driver refused to take her because she was sliding out the chair all the time. And it was like hazardous, you know? Yeah, OK. So, uh, yeah, they, would, they withdrew the transport and said they were going to... They said they had an escort and they were training her up. And it would be a few weeks. Yeah. So what's happened? Then, nothing. <laughs> I got a call from um, the uh, the manager, and she said um, there's going to be no escort because there's no funding, and the HSE issue the funding or something, and she's not going to get an escort. So what happens now? I haven't a clue. She's going to get back to me. She said they've got they've got an escort for three days next week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but they haven't got a driver because the normal driver is doing somebody else. So they're trying to get a driver now. Okay, so even even if you were to drive her, you still need an escort in case she slips out of her seat. I would, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't have a a big minibus thing to take her anyway. I I wouldn't be able to get her wheelchair in my little car, so I couldn't drive her anyway, unless my daughter or someone was with her to mind her, you know? Okay. I, I guess we're wondering here, do any of our listeners have any experience in this area? Can anyone help? Uh, does anyone have any idea as to where you can turn? Um, yeah. you, you're, yeah. you're a single mum. I am, yeah. And you have one other daughter, but she's working full time. Uh, yeah. and, and And she's got a minder just so you can do the grocery shopping. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, when she's got a day off. And, and how is Nicole bearing up to all of this? This, uh, la- this lack of activity and this lack of structure. She just wants to sleep all the time. She's her, her her appetite is gone, you know, and she's just miserable because I can't take her anywhere unless Laura, my my other daughter's off. I can't take her anywhere unless she's off, you know. Okay, and how far is it from where you live to uh, the John Birmingham Cope Centre in in Lachine? Um, about twenty miles. Is it nineteen okay. twenty miles like that? Okay, I wonder would there be a, a volunteer member of the community that could do it? I wonder are there insurance issues that might pertain uh, and that they wouldn't be allowed to do it? Yeah, but they cope are very fussy about yeah, that. Yes, obviously there's a training element. And there's, there's training for Buckleham administering meds and shit like that, stuff yeah. like that. So, okay. And, um, so you're, you're between a rock and a hard place. Uh, really don't yeah. know, I really don't know what you can do here. Yeah. Uh, but it can't continue the way it's going. No, it can't. I mean, poor Nikki, she's in bits, you know? Yeah. She's so bored and 
I'm stuck in the house with her all day, you know. Okay, so if you were to appeal to anyone, would it be the HSC to get something in place here, as you were promised? Yes, it would, yeah. Just please, just give them the funds so Nikki can get an escort, you know. Okay, that escort is needed because she has epilepsy. Cannot travel yeah. alone. You can't blame the bus driver for not taking her either. No, no, no I, don't, I don't blame the bus mm. driver at all. I mean... Yeah, you, 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 you were assured you'd get an escort soon. That hasn't happened. And now you've been told you're not no. getting one. Uh, yeah. and, and so that means Nicole cannot attend her daycare uh, without one. So essentially, you, 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 two of you are in a prison cell. Pretty much, yeah. 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 All right. Look, we, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I, 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 outside of highlighting it on air, I'm not sure that there's anyone we can contact, you know, with GDPR. Know. Yeah. Um, but at least, at least the case is highlighted and made public now, and maybe something will happen. I hope you do get a successful outcome there, Sharon. That's a tough Thank one you. you're in. Appreciate that. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Now, meanwhile, it's been reported the cost of the new children's hospital could top two billion. We predicted this a year and a half ago. Um, and this is an RTE report. Uh, it's it's from about two months ago. But the cost of the new National Children's Hospital uh, could top two billion. Uh, the head of the hospital's board warned unless the contractor changes its behaviour, further delays and even higher costs may occur. The rising costs are a result of claims of an additional $756 million in funds made by the contractor, BAM. Uh, so there's many claims involved in that. But yeah, as predicted, looks as though the uh, Children's Hospital is going to top the $2 billion mark. Meanwhile, there's plans for an, a, uh, an A&E extension at the CUH, and these have been appealed to onboard Planola. The plans attracted numerous observations and submissions at the Cork City Council planning stage from local residents uh, and state bodies such as Irish Aviation Authority, the IAA and Irish Water. And Seamus joins us on Line 6. Good morning, Seamus. Oh, yeah. Okay, you, you, want, you want to talk about uh, the event centre, which also, of course, uh, features the uh, the company involved in the building of the, uh, the Children's exactly. National Hospital. Exactly. And that's BAM. Okay. Yeah, well, look, it's, what I see is six years ago or eight years ago, there was supposed to have built this, and, uh, but they didn't. And then after a while, then they said, look, they need, another, they need 10 million more before they could start this. And then after that, then they said they wanted 20 million. Like, I'm not sure on the figures, though, but it was those figures around that anyway. And, um, and then it went down, and then they wanted more millions again, and it still didn't start. I know they say, that even the price is going to go up again. So, I mean, but pri- prices like, inexorably go up. It's 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 part of the way of I, I life. It's that, called inflation. That, like, if they'd done it when they should have done it, you know, whatever cost would have been then, it should have been then. But of course, once they get a leg in, this thing could go over two hundred million. There's no there's no control over it, right? And there's no start, is there? There's no start, not a bit, no. But before it starts, now they say the cost is going to go up again and. And then once you get a leg in and start working away, it'll go, it'll go out of control out there for the Children's Hospital in Dublin. So, like, what well, are we saying, you know? We, we've been on about the location of it before. Would, do you think it wouldn't be better off where, where the marquee is, where there's plenty of no, parking no. and it's, access? and it's, it's prob- Probably, a, probably a, a river crossing going in there in the fullness of time? Yeah, in the fullness of time, yeah. And also, like, you get some people would park away outside and they get a taxi and which of the taxes won't be able to get in there because it'll be so congested. Like 6,000 people, a lot of people, you know. 
Yeah, and it's it's bamming in 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 both issues, and we've had on the program before people's feelings that this is a, you know, it's it's a business practice by BAM and it, you know, obviously inflation has to has to kick in, and there are there are increased costs as time goes by. Uh, but yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it seems to me that, that, that BAM used this as a business tactic or technique. It, it is a business. It seems to be, yeah. It seems to be. Yeah. You know, when, when Owner Callan had the opportunity, to, he'd be put in a bed and they, if he got us that time, it was up and to be running and we'd have a fine event centre to be all over, finished with. You know? Yeah, that's, 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 that's speculation, I suppose. Anyway, yeah. Seamus, th- thank you for that. No problem, Mike. And okay. best to look to you. We're great showman. Okay, thank, show. thanks, Jerry. I just wanted to bring Seamus in there because I'd been reading about the uh, the cost of the children's hospital. But I had started <clears throat> on the A&E extension at the CUH, uh, which is appealed to on board Planola. There's major extent, uh, extension plans for the emergency department at Cork University Hospital have hit a stumbling block after the plans. They were first approved by Cork City Council were appealed to on board Planola. Uh, the HSE lodged plans with Cork City Council on April 6th for permission to build a two-storey extension to the existing emergency department at CUH uh, uh, and the provision of a new plant room on the roof of the proposed extension. Uh, the project would also consist of alterations to the set-down park, uh, car parking area serving the Glandor Centre. It's already been, uh, been extended on the inside into where the old uh, coffee dock floor was. Uh, but this is obviously uh, temporary. It's it's not uh, as a permanent structure. Uh, anyway, the plans attracted numerous observations and submissions at the Cork City Council planning stage from local residents and state bodies, such as the Irish Aviation Authority, no less, and Irish Water. The IAA official and IAA official submitted that the applicant should be required to engage uh, with the HSE to undertake a preliminary screening assessment uh, to confirm the proposed development and any associated cranes would be utilised during its construction would have no impact on the safety of helicopter operations in the vicinity of Cork University Hospital. I suppose that's fair enough. I thought he was going to say that he doesn't want the jets crashing into cranes, but they're way overhead. Uh, some local residents as well submitted to Cork City Council that the proposed extension would impact on their property due to its size and would create more noise. Concerns centred on the safety of the decontamination waste holding tank and its proximity or proposed proximity to the residents on the Wilton Road. So we'll watch that one uh, with interest. The existing A&E opened in 2005. Uh, Back then, I remember, there was a lot of noise coming from the plant room. It was coming from the fan, I think, in the decontamination room. And they suggested that the wall facing the houses on the Wilton Road should be soundproofed. And um, one resident said car parking at uh, CUH has reached saturation point and no further development should be allowed until this issue is resolved. So uh, the long and short of it is that plans for a big A&E accident and emergency extension at the CUH have been appealed to on board Planola. It's 12 minutes to 12. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. And as promised, nine minutes to 12, we are going to the UCC Students' Union and to a communications member there, Hayley O'Connor. Good morning, Hayley. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm just wondering where my morning has gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, welcome back. Uh, to those who think this is a storm in a teacup, to those who think that uh, the issues of the LGBTQIA plus community, you know, don't really matter. This is a very heartfelt situation uh, for those in this minority community. Uh, wh- where do you, you guys stand on it as a student union? 
Yeah, so we kind of um, regrouped and talked about it and we felt it was really important to kind of get our message across in this because it's very clear that the rebranding of Chambers has come in an appeal, a mass appeal to students for Freshers Week, which is a huge slap in the face to us because we run Freshers Week for the college in UCC. Of course, venues follow suit, but we're the ones who actually pick the dates and run with the times. So for them to kind of piggy tail off us and to rebrand as a a more palatable space and I say that in quotations because Chambers has always done sinners nights during the big college weeks and it's never been a problem because it was a known student night and the ba- the branding of the bar stayed the same so it was a welcoming space for all and to rip all that branding down while it might seem like a small thing to someone and like a small business decision it does eliminate queer spaces for the people that need it most especially students who are coming into first year so this might be their first time in a city like this and it's meant to be a welcoming open space where they can explore who they are and there's not really a space yeah. for people to do that anymore at the minute. So uh, am I correct that uh, Chambers may previously have rebranded to Sinners uh, but just the signage and, and, and not any of the uh, the internal uh, premises stuff that has been supplied and reflects the LGBTQIA plus community? Yeah, from my understanding, I started college in 2019 and there always used to be Sinners club nights. I think it was originally Wednesday and it was known as the student night and colloquially, I think people knew it as like the straight night because more people would bring their straight friends. But it wasn't an exclusively straight night. There was no change to the branding. When people walked in the door, they knew they were in an LGBT plus venue and that was OK. Whereas now the like, attempt to rebrand is a, a complete show of like trying to get extra money in the door. And I also don't think it's worked for them. I could be wrong, but I don't think any students are going to flock to a place because it's not LGBT branded. That's not really how students operate in this day and age. Will, will, the, will the students, uh, both straight and queer, as they say, uh, I'm getting more comfortable using that word than I wasn't this morning, will, will, will they <laughs> flock tonight across the road to the, uh, the steps of the courthouse, 9 o'clock to 10, uh, to support those who are taking issue? Yeah, I really hope so. I know it's a big week for students, but we would really be encouraging students to stand out in solidarity. Um, our post has done really well and we're really glad that we could just kind of show our support to the drag performers who are treated so appallingly as well um, you see Students Union often employs drag performers for our events and it was really important for us that they knew that we were on their side of this as well um, and I think it meant a lot to the students as well that we spoke up about something like this because it is it was students they were trying to target with this advertising and that really wasn't something we were going to stand back and let happen especially at a time when like let's call a spade a spade attacks against the LGBT community in Ireland are so rife we as a union have to take a stand against this in any respect no matter how big or small it may seem to the outset What what percentage or would you know of your students uh, would be you know and of freshers I suppose more particularly would be in the LGBTQ plus community Oh I actually have no idea I mean we have an LGBT society um, and it seems to do quite well um I haven't a clue, but like, I don't think it's unfair to say that most people who might be in the LGBT community don't actually figure that out till college. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's getting early these days, but a lot of my friends didn't come out until college, and it was because they felt the freedom to in a space like that. School isn't always the most welcoming environment to do that, and I do think that's shifting. But to have kind of openly queer venues in the court nightlife scene when you're a young student is, is really important to people and does help them a lot in their own journey. Okay, well, that peaceful demonstration takes place tonight. The Cork Queer Community, Thursday, that's today, happening tonight, 9pm to 10pm. It's going to be peaceful. Uh, There may be troublemakers who may try to upset that. Um, 
not from within, uh, from without, if you know what I mean. But that's taking, uh, that's going to take place outside the courthouse steps uh, opposite the uh, premises formerly known as Chambers. Will your students support it, do you think? Yeah, I hope so. I'm really calling. I know it's a busy week for students and it's very last minute, but even if you can bring your friends out for an hour just to show your support, I think um, the community would massively appreciate it. Like bring bring all your friends, bring everybody and kind of show them that yeah. students won't stand for this particularly. Has the makings of a good party afterwards if they all had somewhere to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks a million. Haley O'Connor, UCC Students Union uh, Communications Officer uh, on the Chamber situation. That closes that subject out nicely. Thank you so much and uh, good morning to you, Haley. And that uh, wraps up the Neil Prendeville show for this morning. We're back tomorrow morning, uh, bright and early. Well, not really bright and early, but just after the news at nine o'clock. My thanks to the show's producers, Seamus Whelan and uh, Claire O'Connor, and our lines remain open on 0818 104 106 until a quarter past 12. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.